All right, y'all, looks like we're one day shy of the summer solstice, getting ready on the June 20th of 2023 to do another edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show. I spent too much time in the garden today. I acknowledge it, although that's just never too much time. It's just that I have a show to do, and I came in really late. And so Super Don's going to take over. No, he's not. He would like to. No, he wouldn't. <laughs> I'm just playing. Uh, we got a great show lined up. Uh, Philip Meese is going to join us in the first hour talking about uh, food, survival food storable food how about um a carnivore ancestral diet related uh, ability to survive yeah we're going to talk about that and uh, a new bar the carnivore bar that you can have access to and we'll talk uh, why you want that in your home and on your travel trips also uh, scheduled an hour to paul hutchinson uh he was God, a high finance guy that now he's like rescuing uh traffic children dude this is gonna be how did this happen I want to get the backstory on that and more. Uh, we have questions of the day, some related to, uh, well, Lyme disease. That's one. Another related to earthing or grounding. We'll find out if Super Don knows what that is <laughs> as well. So thank you all for being here. And uh, join us, robertscottbell.com slash listen for the, the live chat room at robertscottbell.com or where we're not banned, you can join us there as well, like on Rumble. And we'll be uh, kicking it into gear right about now. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. What is it about the regulatory state that some people still find desirable? Right. We, we got to we got to uh, have an overlord in the government or else all you know what will break loose, despite the fact that everything, all the evidence shows that because of the regular regulatory state, we, you know, all you know what has broken loose. And I'm not just talking about COVID jabs and the approval by FDA, et cetera, or any other jabs or injections. How about uh, food labeling laws? You know, some things we'd go back in time and go, FDA, FDA, I call them the Fear and Death Administration, you know, but they were called the Food and Drug Administration. And at the time in the early 20th century, Harvey Wiley had established the Pure Food and Drug Act, and it was uh, really designed to, like, look, if you're going to put food, drugs, things out, they can't be adulterated, they can't be poisoned, they can't kill people. Pretty reasonable. You go, yeah, I, I don't think I'd have a lot of a problem with that. But what's happened over time is that the industries that the FDA, for instance, is charged to regulate, which used to mean to make regular, right? To make it similar across the 50 states or at the time of far fewer states, uh, to make regular so that, you know, it, it wouldn't be too confusing or unwieldy to do commerce, basically. And through things like the Interstate Commerce Clause, they basically said, now you can't drink raw milk. Well, then they don't technically say you can't drink it, but you can't enter it into commerce. Specifically, they'll say interstate commerce, ICC, but uh, at the same time, they'll like, even if you were in one state and your milk was staying in that state, they would try and find a way. Can we say that there's interstate commerce happening and we'll come in and shut that down too? So the very things that would be uh, viable in terms of food sources, good, clean food sources, the FDA, even though they pretend in many cases to say, yeah, we're overseeing it all and you guys are safe because of us. The things they approve of, particularly in the drug category, are the third leading cause of death 
How do you argue that the FDA is protecting the American public? And when there is a breakout or breakthrough of some kind of a, a microbial uh, issue, like you said, uh, let's go to a dairy farm. Uh, is it not possible that the state and local agencies could be more inclined to discover this, much less self-discovery in liability per, uh, uh, discussions? Let's say liability, consider that. You remember that, liability? You're responsible for what you do? Let's say a company puts out a product that is, well, not normally dangerous, but something happened and somebody gets harmed, injured, killed. There usually is a remedy in the courts and the courts would not be biased in favor of the artificial creation of the state, the corporation against the people who were harmed, trespassed or poisoned in any case. And through the regulatory state, we've, we've, we've trended far, far away from personal responsibility and or an oxymoron called corporate responsibility. You know, about corporations, the idea is to uh, engage in some kind of corporate immunity so that you can't lose everything if something happens to the corporation. I get the, the reason for it. It's not created by God. It's created by man to interact, you know, in a different way, in an economic way, perhaps. And so I, I bring this opening discussion of federal regulation, much less state and local, not to say there should be no discussion about it. In fact, we should discuss like what works and what doesn't. We've got certainly over a century of track record of FDA and other agencies now that are, are clearly captured by the industries they deign to regulate, creating mo the most dangerous of situations, including in the 1980s when Ronald Reagan was convinced to sign a law that would shield the vaccine manufacturers from any liability should their products injure or kill you or your loved one or friend, you know, on and on it goes. And so we have decades now of controversy of families that say, hey, that injection harmed or killed my child and you can't go to the maker of that vaccination and say, there's a problem here. We need to be made whole again if it's possible. Instead, you go to a special master that's overseeing a federal uh, un, I would dare I'd say unconstitutional federal uh, group, the National Va Vaccine Injury Compensation Program, to beg, plead for some level of compensation for an injury that has occurred. And guess what? The manufacturer of those dangerous injections pay nothing. Should they even acknowledge, should the government paymaster or whatever uh, acknowledge there's an injury relation, a causal relationship, not just temporal and the payout is done over $4 billion since its inception, far, far more than that now, through a special tax that they added to every antigen that was in an, in, an injection, a vaccine. So never did they have a concern for providing a product that was efficacious and or safe. Neither one mattered because they bought pretty much FDA, CDC, state health agencies, on and on it goes, all the way up and down the scale in the medical realm to promote this without acknowledgement of the danger of removing any entity, whether it be a human being individual, like a king, queen, or emperor, from liability, that's sovereign immunity, and removing all of these companies making inherently dangerous products. Remember, Dr. James A. Shannon used to head the NIH many decades ago. He said the only safe vaccine is a vaccine that is never used. And now we're finding out uh, through the, uh, the Joe Rogan experience, having Bobby Kennedy on, more people than ever, even through COVID, are figuring out there isn't a lot of sound science to support the safe and effective 
mantra, which basically a hip, a form of hypnosis, safe and effective, safe and effective. Don't you feel like a zombie when you say it? And then we come back to the food supply in terms of regulating food supply. There's an organization called the United States, uh, what is it, DA, USDA, Department of Agriculture. And they're about to, apparently, according to Healthline, crack down on misleading meat labels like free range and no antibiotics. And, and I think it's, it's an interesting, uh, let's say, consideration because if you want to buy a meat product that has been grown, grown a little bit more humanely, however you define it, you'd like truth and labeling to say, okay, can I rely on this label that says these animals were allowed to roam freely? And on top of that, how about for those that eat cow, uh, that it actually eats what it's designed by God to eat, grass, for instance. Grass-fed, grass-finished, you've heard of that. Others that say grass-fed but not grass-finished, and you want to know. Or is it is it feed, is it eating GMO grains or not? Is there a label for that? And what about the no antibiotics uh, statement? They they're saying, well, uh, maybe we weren't so good before, but we're going to uh, do better because many meat and poultry products labeled as antibiotic free have been found to contain antibiotics, and we know the overuse and abuse of antibiotics is is legendary among medical doctors, much less among animal husbandry, if you will, the uh, growth in factory farms. And those antibiotics end up in the water supply through these animals and just downstream it to everybody, human and animal alike. To find something antibiotic-free is a challenge, just like finding something glyphosate-free is a challenge. So June 14th, the USDA says it will strengthen its processes to substantiate claims by producers about raising of livestock and poultry. They want to protect consumers from false and misleading labels, according to the news release. Like, uh, uh, it, you know, lawsuits against companies that labeled food as all natural have increased. Now, I, I've, I've said this, I'm not a lawyer, but good Lord, what's the definition of natural and all natural? In, in, is there a, a definition that's been codified into law so you know whether somebody's deceiving you or what it means even? Can you still use antibiotics? Yeah, pesticide. It's all natural. We didn't add any extra. It's kind of like the vaccine industrial complex saying that, um, oh, there's no thimerosal. There's no mercury in our vaccines. Even the ones that they say are unit dose vials of flu shots, they say, well, we don't have, it's mercury free, they say, but it's not, in fact, because the subcomponents are made and preserved with, guess what, the Marisol. So the finished product does have some, but the rule as they've defined it is, well, we didn't add it at the end, extra. So you, do you, you know, talk about reading labels. It's not just about reading labels because you, you think you know what the labels say, because you know English, if, if they're in English, and they don't mean what you think they mean. Like the, you know, internal revenue code. What is a taxpayer? Is a taxpayer someone who pays taxes? Not necessarily. <laughs> you could pay. In fact, you could get money back every for filing. And you're still considered a taxpayer. Well, that doesn't make sense. A taxpayer, you pay taxes. Well, no, doesn't work that way, y'all. You got to look at definitions of words. So animal, animal raising claims are coming under a great scrutiny. That, I, I think overall that's a good thing because we don't want to have to rely on centralized bureaucracies to tell us what is real and what is not, what is good and what is not. We have an, I would say, a misplaced trust 
in the federal government. Now, uh, this is also often used against, you know, me when somebody says, well, Robert, you say eat organic, and I don't know if I trust the organic standards and the label. I'm like, I get it. I'm not going to argue with you. I will say that there in, in the law, there is teeth associated with the definition of, of a certified organic product. So it's less likely that deception is occurring, not completely eliminated from the possibility. So what's the next phase? What's the next best thing to do? Grow your own food. Have control over from, you know, A to Z, or maybe I should say and or learn about the people who are growing food that you're eating. Get to know your farmer if you're not going to become your farmer. I would say do a little of both would be great. So the USDA wants to be applauded and lauded and, oh, they're saving us and they're doing great work, but uh, they also want to do this to the organic chickens. They want to stack organic chicken chickens, stack them up. Not like the fun thing you used to do on the beach when you were a kid, like, let's make a pyramid. No, no, this is stacking. This is not a normal way for chickens to live. And there's draft regulation that would currently is currently under consideration that would legalize factory farm conditions for organic chickens while organic farmers are going out of business and being gobbled up by uh, corporate agribusiness by the hundreds. So USDA wants it both ways. They want, well, we're here for you to protect you. We want to straighten, uh, strengthen these uh, standards. We're going to go after the, the tricksters. And then they go, hey, how about we convert organic label to mean factory farm too? How about that? That's good. I don't think so. So where do we go besides growing our own food or getting to know people who grow your own food? Or if you're working with businesses that provide products that you want to eat, consume, or let's say uh, save up for that proverbial rainy day, storing food, get to know the people who are in business. And then and only then can you begin to see the integrity with which those people operate so that you know they are stringent in their defense of you as the end consumer to say, I want to pay whatever it takes to get this kind of food. Because you know, say pound for pound, they say the organic stuff, the grass-fed stuff is more expensive than the factory farm stuff. Granted, yes, but if you've priced cancer, like Joel Salatin says, there's no comparison. Organic food or the or equivalent quality is the cheapest or least expensive food on earth because we don't look at the back end of consuming factory farmed, antibiotic-laden, pesticide-laden, glyphosate, GMO, all of that impact on health because we have been programmed as Americans to ignore that better living through chemistry in the 20th century means anybody that says organic is better. It's just one of those. You probably like Bobby Kennedy or something, right? <laughs> That's what we're dealing with. So a uh, good example of this. We've got someone coming up in a moment. Uh, uh, Philip Meese, uh, the carnivore bar. I was introduced to the carnivore bar by uh, Taryn Gregson. Now my friend, Taryn, who's a terrific MC. I loved her, what she did at the uh, event in Boise for the We the Patriots USA. And she connected me with a family that's putting out this bar that is truly from grass-fed, grass-finished sources. And he'll, he'll confirm that with us. We'll talk to him about that. And we have a link to this. If you want real food, I mean, calorie-dense food, because that's the other thing about if you go pound for pound with commercially, conventionally grown, you might think it's cheaper, but it's far less nutrition in it and the things that can sustain us, including fat and protein, but the fat is often, uh, we are phobic in America. Embracing that is something that is going to change your ability to sustain yourself through a crisis, through a famine, for instance. 
And that's what I want you to know about for a lot of reasons. And let's bring from the Carnivore Bar, Philip Meese to the Robert Scott Hotel. Philip. Hey. Welcome, my friend. Good to see you. And uh, I think I had talked with your wife last time and you weren't available or maybe you popped in at the end. Uh, I think we were off the air. I don't think we were on the radio at the time or on the uh, show, but I'm really glad to connect with you. I want to thank Taryn for connecting us. And um, maybe you can give us a little bit about your backstory. I tried to set the stage from a regulatory environment as well, down to the getting to know your farmer and you as well. I know you probably do grow food as well, but you have a business that secures food and makes it in a certain way available and viable to carry with you, you know, travel food, for instance, and or storage food. So talk to me about what you're doing and how you got into it. Absolutely. So um, I was a veteran. I was a combat medic. I served in Afghanistan in uh, 2011 and 12. And uh, my health got absolutely wrecked. So I put my my health and my well-being in the hands of the government. I got uh, mistreated, um, to put it mildly. antibiotics and poor food, MREs full of preservatives, bunch of plastic and sawdust, hardly any nutrition in there. And so I got wrecked. And so when I came back, I was like, well, there's got to be a better way to get healthy food on the battlefield. And um, I said, okay, I may not contribute, like I may not save the world, but I can fix this one problem. And that is like all the illnesses that I saw and the poor nutrition and the steadily decreasing health and wellness of our soldiers overseas. And I looked for the perfect food and, um, you know, I didn't find anything that like jumped out to me that had everything included until I heard about this thing called the carnivore diet. Mm -hmm. And these are people who are just eating meat. They are saying that vegetables are overrated and that they can, that meat is actually doing a disproportionate of the nutrition of our meals. You know, we're eating grass-fed, grass-finished beef. We're, you know, filling it with like heirloom vegetables. And, you know, the carnivore claims is that, you know, most of the nutrition, most of the bioavailable nutrition is actually coming from the beef. Mm-hmm. And you can actually subsist on high quality uh, amino acids and fatty acids that come from regenerative raised grass-finished beef. And so, I thought that was very fascinating. And I found out that people have been doing this for like 10 plus years, <laughs> I which piqued my that. interest. And I was like, Philip, okay, cool. Think, I'll try it. Philip, I think 10,000 years. I mean, if you go back to the kind of things that our ancestors ate. Now, uh, this is not purposefully to set up to annoy vegetarians and vegans. We're just giving you <laughs> options here. We're sharing information. Right. And if you gravitate toward this information, and you want to put it to the test. If you're not doing well where you are, then this is why we do this. If you're doing great, fine, keep doing it. That's the point. I'm not trying to bring Philip on to tick off anybody. You know, that's not our purpose. The purpose is let's discuss all of the options. What works for some may not work for others, but you're right. A lot of what we've grown up with, and and listen, as a homeopath for almost 30 years now, natural, organic, all of that stuff, there have been transits in my journey to health and healing from vegetarianism to raw vegetarians, to carnivorous, uh, uh, let's say, a mix of the things, to now testing a little bit more of the meat context, although I would argue much of our um, ancestry, and we talk about the animal kingdom, other than the scavengers, they go for the vital organs, which is something that we don't eat much of, and that's where all the minerals are, like copper. I talk about that all of the time. So your journey in your diet, as you said, 
relying on MREs in the military. I'm like, how do I don't know how our military is even alive based on what they feed them, much less what they inject them with, whether it be antibiotics or vaccines. So once you get sick, it, it's the carnivore diet. I, I don't mean to be like uh, dogmatic or for any one particular tribe or hypothesis, um, but it, it comes from a place of deep unwellness. You know, these are people who are trying to figure out what is is wrong with them. And it's a place of humility. We don't know. And so they go on this elimination diet to figure out, okay, well, meat seems to be uniquely important to the human diet, to flourishing, to getting to building back up. And then they can add more things in as they heal is kind of the idea. Um, So the prospect there is, if I'm thinking about this in a military context, if I want to feel military age men and keep them well and, and not see what I saw, which is the degrading health. Oh, the screen went black for a second. You're okay. Uh, You're okay. Do okay anyway. right. So um, I saw kidney stones. I saw all kinds of, um, obesity, I saw all kinds of sleep problems with people uh, taking Ambien, taking Trazodone, taking uh, mental health drugs that I think a lot of it had to do with dysbiosis and their ability to digest food. And so because of that, um, they didn't have a good foundation nutritionally. They really didn't have a, a leg to stand on to, to be able to do their jobs. And so that's a really big problem when we have our first line responders who are, you know, experiencing this deficit in their baseline nutrition, so that it's compromising their ability to do what we send them out to do. You know, Afghanistan kind of, it didn't end well, but long story short, you know, there may be a time where we're called to, to win a battle that it actually matters if we win. You know, if, if we, we want to take this thing seriously. We want to supply our troops with the with the nutrition, with the equipment, with the, the moral support, with the moral character and fiber that that leads them to make decisions that we're all proud of. You know, we, we feel the uh, a fighting force that, you know, we want to welcome home and not be ashamed of. And so I think all of that support, you know, it's a it's a holistic view. And, you know, it goes right back to what you're saying with our institutions kind of letting us down. Yeah. setting us up for failure and not, you know, letting labels be what they are. It's like, you know, they're playing some kind of bureaucratic game with the spreadsheet and they're not actually going out there to, to the, to the farms and saying, okay, well, this is how chickens are, or these are, these are healthy chickens. Right. You know, they're going out to soldiers and saying, okay, this is healthy food. It's like, it's all spreadsheets. It's like these soldiers are dying. Yeah. These soldiers are getting sick. Yeah. And, and it isn't from, uh, bullet wounds on the battlefield it's from their own let's say military brass pentagon higher ups poisoning them with food that isn't food much less injecting them with toxic uh experiments and when did you uh get back from afghanistan how many years now so i got out of the army in 2014 so april 2012 i got back and it's been a roller coaster um you know, just trying to figure out what was wrong with my health. And uh, I think actually, you know, I got sensitive to vegetable matter. And so I would eat vegetables and I'd react. But then, 
you know, given what we know now about uh, pesticides and different things like that, it's like, well, maybe it's the glyphosate, right. you know, so going carnivore may just be a glyphosate free diet. So, you know, it's like, there are so many vectors that yeah. our health is being compromised. It's hard to know where, right. you know, how to defend yourself against all these different things, you know, and then you have to be like this legal attorney like thinking of definitions, it's like, that's so overwhelming for so many people. Yeah. That's why I say we got to become our own far farmers or we really need to get to know those who grow or prepare or in, in some way, shape or form, get that food that we're going to rely upon for survival on a daily basis, yeah. much less on a storage basis. And somewhere along the lines, you found this diet, if you will, a carnivore diet, helping you recover, regaining some of your strength and your health. And uh, there must have been something in there where you and your wife talking is like, hey, maybe we can produce some of these things that we, we eat and maybe others would would find this beneficial as well. How, how did that evolve? Well, so it was really a Kickstarter. So we found this carnivore community that was, was healing through uh, this elimination diet that was really strict. And uh, one of the problems with uh, eating this way is there wasn't anything that was clean. Like all the jerky has soy and wheat and contaminants and different sauces and, and preservatives laden in it. And it's the preservatives that got me sick. So that's a, that's a little bit of red flag. I don't want to, I don't want to step on that landmine again. So, um, trying to find a clean food that was fatty enough that we could actually survive off of it. And we couldn't find, it. we couldn't find it with the clean ingredients that we wanted. We just wanted the meat and, uh, nothing else. We recently brought out, we are doing a version of Pluck, which is an organ-based seasoning. So you were talking about copper. We do offer a version with organs. Uh, Pluck is, is a seasoning that has a blend of um, organs inside it. That's a grass-fed, grass-finished as well. So I haven't seen that. I'm very excited to hear about that because trying to find a way to get people to integrate that type of nutrition into their daily regimen. And it's very off-putting for many to eat things like liver. They don't think about it like our ancestors did. Uh, so having something like that to kind of spice it up yet be that mineral source, I think that's a great, great idea. So that's something in addition to the carnivore bar we're introducing today that you have I, I wasn't aware of. Yeah, so we offer two new flavors. We're, we're basically expanding. We started with the elimination diet folks who are avoiding seed oils. Seed oils is basically the stuff in the processed food that's bad for you. It's not only sugar, it's not only preservative, but seed oils are just completely unnatural and inflammatory. So people who are trying to avoid those seed oils, they need that high fat, but they need it to come from ancestral based sources. And that covers your bases if you're trying to do the elimination diet. But if my, my mission is to get as much nutrition from animal bioavailable sources as possible to soldiers, I want to make it a little more accessible. So we're adding raw honey and we're adding pluck. So we have a honey barbecue and then we have one without honey, this zesty garlic pluck, which has this broad spectrum. So if you, if you get liver, for instance, you know, there is a consideration if you eat tons of liver that you might get vitamin A toxicity, right? So you want a balanced, you know, blend of organs that you're getting, um, you know, apples to apples nutrition that your body knows how to identify and absorb because you get a lot of vegetables. Part of the carnivore zeitgeist is like the vegetables are overrated. For example, <laughs> carrots, they have beta carotene. 
you know, that's a precursor to vitamin A. It's actually not vitamin A. Vitamin A is retinol. So if you get it from animal sources, it's very vulnerable. Like it's very perishable, but it's the actual form that you need. So there's this huge barrier between high quality bioavailable nutrition from grass fed, grass finished uh, animals from ranchers you trust, and then getting it out into the field. Because when I was in Afghanistan, I sent jerky over, I, APO addressed, you know, I sent, spent my own money to get my own equipment, to get my own uh, food to the battlefield. And the jerky I got, because it was very clean, spoiled. It, the condensation formed on the bag and it rancidified the entire thing, mm. soured it. And so because it was a natural jerky and because the trip through the connex overseas, through the desert was so long, those heat contractions pulled all the moisture out, condensed mm. on the bag, and that was enough for it to mold. So I was like, there's gotta be a way to get this extremely high quality nutrition on the battlefield. And that's where I found uh, pemmican as the inspiration for the bar. It's a Native American tradition. Mm. Well, t- tell me about that tradition. If, if there might be, since you didn't know, I didn't know pemmican, that history, how did that come about? Sure. So uh, it's kind of like the bow and arrow of food. It's really lean strips of meat, sun-dried or smoked and uh, ground with mortar and pestle. So they get it absolutely bone dry. Then they crush it up into a powder. And then once they have this like meat powder dust, um, they render just like the the fat of the animal. They would have done it with, uh, the the Plains Native Americans would have done it with uh, bison. So they would have taken that strip of fat on the back or the kidney, the suet, which is like a little bit different compositionally, uh, fatty acids wise. And they would have rendered that, gotten all the collagen and impurities out of it. And so they would render that fat, they would mix it equal parts dry with equal parts rendered with all the impurities gone, with all the water gone. They would make it into little balls and then put it in a rawhide, um, like little satchel, a, a parfletch is what they called it. And then they would pour tallow, liquid tallow on the top to seal it from oxygen so it wouldn't rancidify. And that's that's kind of the key is, is to keep oxygen and moisture away once you've gotten it, you know, inhospitably dry. Yeah. To keep the oxygen from uh, oxidizing the fat and to keep the moisture from getting at it, it is shelf stable legendarily, like for like 50 years. Well, you don't, have to, you don't have to package it in rawhide anymore. We've got some other options, don't we? Right. So uh, effectively, I use Mylar. So this is a, a prototype um, <laughs> when I was developing the bar, just kind of like to remember my, where I started. Um, yeah, I, I heat sealed that with um, my wife's uh, hair straightener, you know, like humble. Right. <laughs> you know, we started as just a concept and now we're a full fledged brand with the image you showed with all the, the cool graphics um, and with this, it's the idea that individual sovereignty, like your ability to feed yourself and your family, it you can have it in, in the palm of your hand and no one can take that away from you. It's not a, not a digital currency. It's not a gold bar that you have to trade with someone. It's not a, a system that requires all these inputs from the government. It is life and your another, ability to preserve it. Another storable food source option. 
Yeah, and it's the it's the critical component. Like, especially if you know you ever go down the the stream of actually resisting. Like, this is the component that you're going to need. Like, you can have some empty carbs in a bucket. That's fine. But like, you need to make sure that you have some meat and some fat for optimal human health, especially if they are going to be working hard and expending calories in the field, mm. because you know military age combatants or you know peace corps volunteers road builders you know just just simple things it doesn't have to be military it could just be sure. uh civil engineers like say there's a natural disaster our government drops the ball that's never happened um <laughs> yeah individual citizens take it upon themselves to go out there and solve the problem you're going to want something more than just a bucket full of rice and corn you don't have the rice, have the corn, have the beans, but then have a little bit of grass finished beef and, you know, grass finished tallow. Yeah. And you can make it yourself. It just takes, takes a ton of time and effort. You know, it's like, you don't have to buy it from me. You know, I think individual sovereignty and, you know, making sure that you have your bases covered is something that we should all as, you know, patriots be involved yeah. in. Well, not everybody has the skill set or the desire to develop it. And, you know, there's diversification of labor. What do you do? What do you excel at? And then there's a reason for commerce. That is, other people do things that you don't want or can't do. And you find a, a means of exchange. Of course, that's where we talk about the exchange of pieces of paper, unfortunately, that are valueless. They're evidences of debt, which is this Federal Reserve note mm -hmm. that has been legal tendered into existence since 1913 when the dawn of the federal reserve uh you know the act was passed in the dark of uh, christmas night i believe uh th this is something that i'd also like to uh, evolve in terms of different ways to exchange interchange in terms of the economy um you know we're working uh, my son is up there at uh, the porcupine festival the pork fest in new hampshire which is like based on the free state project with goldbacks and the entire village that pops up a libertarian village utilizes all kinds of things barters exchanges goldbacks are now a means of exchange and it's a legal tender yeah. in a number of states which is great so we've got other things that are coming back to that that essence of how do we maintain some level of sovereignty self-rule and the ability to produce something that is a value that you can exchange with others for something of value right that's a balance in in commerce in freedom not in coercion deception and why I like what you and your wife are doing, Philip, is because you have integrity. Uh, you care enough about the products themselves that you're not willing to compromise because you're using this for yourself too. Right. It isn't just, hey, man, how can I uh, get, get the FDA to rule that uh, I can stack cows and feed them whatever and we'll call it natural, right? That's the yeah. furthest thing from what you guys are doing. So if you haven't encountered something like the carnivore bar and what it is, uh, I would cons really thank everybody for testing it out and reaching out to to uh, philip there and we'll tell you how to do that and you'll also get a discount rsb10 is the discount code 10 percent. and there's ways to save even more based on subscription model as well uh but here's here's my question it's just the honest truth about americans we have been altered in our integrity to the point where our taste buds can't handle food that's real and we have to have sugar and uh, you know everything to make something palatable. Are how are people responding and and evolving and 
ingesting something they're not used to because I don't want to, you know, this is not like a power bar. If you've had those power bars, they're like sugary sweet, right? Those things. Right. This is so different. And I, I want you to relate that to the people, even maybe your own experience in like, this is very different. So it is high fat. And that, and the reason being is that my experiences on the battlefield, I, I was miserable, you know, and, and that, that's part of it. Afghanistan is not a pleasant place. Um, but it didn't need to be that miserable. Like I didn't need to be hungry eating rip, you know, drinking rippets and eating sugar. And, you know, we'd take the MRE, throw everything away besides the candy. You know, it, we would just, we were so desperate that we were breaking OPSEC and, and going and finding the local villagers and, and buying their goat and foot bread. They wow. made bread with their feet. It was very gross, but we, <laughs> but we're so desperate for actual food. Yeah. Like, we were we were to that point where we were breaking operational security because I mean theoretically they could poison the food they never did but like you know those rules exist for a reason and we were forced into an uncomfortable place of, of wanting to compromise those rules and um, you know it I guess I think that you know when you're really hungry your taste changed dramatically. Yeah. The best way to have a carnivore bar is hungry. But the base model is like eating a burger patty that's that's come out the fridge. So it's just a burger patty without any sauce. That's what it's like. But it's basically non-perishable. Mm -hmm. And so think about how you feel after you eat a burger. Like if, if it's been a long day, like you feel better. You know, and so the idea there is to make it more accessible, we've added a little bit of raw honey, but just a touch, seven grams of carbs. <laughs> I'm just thinking you know? that people think it's not enough. Add some more if you want. But the point yeah. is we have to adapt for real food for real survival issues. Yeah, uh, We are used to refined processed carbohydrates in and on everything, even our meat products, as you said. And so uh, I don't want people to be upset. And, and I'm not saying they will be. I'm just a realist about growing up in America. I know my own history. Oh, it's a great and, point. And, and so if people get this thing and think it's going to taste like the sweetest, delicious chocolate bar, this is not what we're talking about here. But that's not me trying to dissuade you. It's me telling you that's where we have to go. We got to go there. Well, it's honesty. And, and yeah. you're all about integrity. You know, that's kind of the point of the show. And so, you know, I think it's a great point to, to bring up. You know, it's, you know, you brought up these articles, this USDA wants to stack organic chicken. And the reason being is that it's a cost thing. So if you want something without antibiotics, everyone's like, oh, cool. Yeah. Antibiotics free. And now they're perjuring that and they're trying to crack down. Okay, good. But what is the cost of that? That means letting all of the weak animals die. Like anything that is susceptible genetically, that means letting hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of livestock perish. That means culling your herd to a genetic level that is, is going to be naturally inclined to be more hardy. And so there's a lot of death and cost and just, we just want this label. We want this sticker, yeah. but we want it at the cheapest price. And what that does is it eliminates small business. 
how, how eliminates family farms. Right. How have you sourced at a time where the family farm is under increasing stress and pressure to make sure that you have access the raw materials, the ingredients, if you will, that end up in the carnivore bar uh, to be as legit as we are talking about today? Because that means a lot of work on your part behind the scenes. You know, I got really lucky. I was I was just incredibly blessed. I was at the grass fed exchange um, in 2019 and I had a local like grass fed grass finished beef uh, producer that I trusted, but the omega three fatty acid content was too high. And so when I dried the product to make the pemmican, um, it tasted really fishy. Mm. And so it wasn't going to work. And so I met Ron, um, Ron Joyce at the last day of the conference. And we were trying to like get an Uber and they all the taxis were gone and he had this big van and they were going to the airport. And they're like, Hey, you want to ride? And so I just happened to catch a ride with this amazing, like CEO, founder, family farm, Joyce farms from North Carolina. And they, they were talking about the genetics of their pig. Like they had to go to insane trouble to get the genetics of this pig to taste right because they did a lot of East Coast restaurants. So they breed according to the flavor. You know, they're raising the, the, all the different heritage breeds to, to get a desired flavor. And so they're, in order to do that, they're going into this ancestral Aberdeen Angus, which they, they have a special criteria, um, but it's like less than 5% of cattle in America qualify for this. Basically, they're gonna do well on just grass mm. and they're going to get fatty on just grass, which is key for my product. And so my eyes are like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And so I got into the conversation with him, found out uh, his deep knowledge on the, the sourcing and like the heritage of the genetic line. So this is like decades of effort and time and energy cultivating this flavor which is also this very, very healthy breed that does well on grass um, and just grass, nothing added ever. And so again, with that, that hardiness, like you need to find something that is genetically uh, against the grain of the last hundred years of ranching. Against you the know, grain, because that's a great point. Uh, we we yeah. took a divergence with pork and beef to, to do these commodity systems, these CAFO systems, that require the antibiotics, they require these inputs for the animals to survive. And it's like, that's not healthy. It's like, even if you can clear the antibiotic, you're fundamentally getting an unhealthy animal that's inflamed. Yeah. And it's like, again, back to the humility. It's like, well, we don't know exactly what's not good about that. Is it tumors? Is it cancer? Is it, you know, uh, the nutrition? The nutrition we know, the omega-3, CLA, are, are gone and the steric acid is gone. But the palmitic and monounsaturated fatty acids are, are pretty safe. But when I was trying to use both to not be dogmatic, I got 60% of the yield with grain finished. Mm-hmm. Meaning it's just 40% water. Wow. So it's like, well, it's twice as expensive. It's like, well, not really. No, not that's gram the for gram. Yeah. Ounce for ounce, pound for pound. That's why I was talking about nutrient dense food, the quality. Uh, is so much greater and then we misplace or, or let's say we we do math wrong it's like new math right we don't measure based on quality of life standards how it sustains us it's like well let me just look at that it looks the same to our eyeballs 
this one's cheaper. Let's get that. And that is a, you know, it's degraded our health significantly over generations. And it's all about those perverse incentives that you talk so much about. It's like the the labeling, the institutions, it's like they're rewarding things that aren't good. So if a corporation can take CAFOs and commodity beef or commodity chicken and then change it ever so slightly and then lobby to lower the organic standard, mm -hmm. they can make a killing charging a premium and basically be giving you commodity uh, products. Right. Whereas the, the small right farm, they yeah. can't do that. And because I they- was, I don't think it was an accident that you ended up in that van on the way uh, to the airport. I think you were guided. There's a spiritual essence there to get you connected to do this really good work. I, you know, I, I, I have to agree. I mean, it just seems so, such providence, such unlikely um, timing. And so our our little cow is actually an auroch. It's an extinct version of cattle that's based off the caves in Lascaux, like the first known human art painting anywhere. And so that's 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 our food, or it was our food, and it doesn't exist anymore. So we're trying to piece together like this ancestral puzzle of like, man, what have we gotten wrong? What if we just like accepted as fact, accepted as poor health as the standard? Oh, well, we're just getting older. It's like, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. It's like we need to get back to this ancestral way of living so we can decode like what's gone wrong with our health. Yeah. Well, the closer I get to that, the more, uh, well, the more fitness, health, vitality I feel in this body overcoming a lot of the uh, ailments and illnesses of my youth from zero to 24 because I was a processed food standard American diet if there ever was one American. And my journey back has you know, driven me to do this show for now my 24th year and uh, bring that, uh, you know, not only homeopathy, but all things natural, although natural is not <laughs> codified officially as we talk about in terms of food uh, definitions. But in terms of the understanding of what natural means, we all kind of sense what that should mean. It doesn't mean that in regulating food, though. So going to the quality that you have, you know, sourced and bringing it out in this carnivore bar is, is so significant in terms of a new option we have uh, for food storage, food and in travel, moving on the road. And you're like, I, I don't know what that restaurant's feeding us. And very often, a lot of even the organic restaurants are using vegetable oils creating high inflammatory foods out of what would be better quality food typically because they don't understand the fat issue either. And they're exposing that PUFA, that polyunsaturated fatty acid, which is inherently unstable to high heat, yep. which oxidizes it. The only reason that it doesn't smell like rotting bodies <laughs> is because it's deodorized and industrially bleached. Mm -hmm. it, it, it has chemicals that that purify all this this sludge that they make with canola and corn you know all these different vegetable oils that are just blended together soy oil but you know almost every single cook surface in america uses one of these inflammatory fats yeah. because it's cheap and so you really have to ask yourself is that is that worth it you know because i got sensitive to vegetables mm -hmm. but even i a carnivore and, and skeptical is like, is it really the vegetables? Maybe if I were growing yeah. my own vegetables in my backyard, I'd do better. 
yeah. you know, because it's these industrial processes. That's really the question. I, I would argue that for the most part, it's like some people argue vegetables are poison. Like uh, I'm not going that far. You grow your own or you find certified organic sources that really are legit and then test your, let your body be your guide. Right. I'm not going to argue with, you know, if like you are a vegetarian, vegan and you're in the tip top shape, best health you've ever been in. It's not for me to say, well, that's the wrong diet for you. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a homeopath, a healer first and foremost, and I've got to respond to your needs if you're coming to me for help. And there's not a one size fits all. One of the classic examples of that is uh, Dr. Nicholas Gonzalez, who's no longer with us. But man, oh, man, did he succeed in overcoming the most vicious, rapidly form of, can- form of cancer that there ever was in, in this pancreatic cancer. And he found that one size fits all did not work other than we start with organic quality, that cleanliness. Mm-hmm. You know, if they if they wrote the kosher laws today, it would it would not include allowing genetic engineering or antibiotics or t- pesticides, herbicides. I really believe that, but that hasn't been updated. And I don't know if that's sacrilegious to say for some people out there, but I'm just throwing it out there. So for those of you who want to uh, try this out, uh, the Carnivore Bar Superdome, can you show the image there on the website at robertscottbell.com? We're, I'm happy and proud to to introduce this to you. I've kind of talked a little bit about it since I met Taryn and she introduced us to it from the uh, event, the We the Patriots USA event in uh, uh, Boise, Idaho. Carnivore Bar, use coupon code RSB10 to get 10% off. And there are other ways when you really want to stay on this, I guess you could say to discount it even further, like those that, that say, hey, I want every month to get certain amounts. And uh, so there are programs that, that can help you plan. And I talk about you, Philip, and your business sourcing the materials, producing enough to meet the demand and not be stuck with too much because you don't have the demand. This is, I guess this is not a product that's been on the market for 10 years either. Oh, no, no. 2019 was a Kickstarter. So we are still very new and our official launch was uh, February 2020. So it's been a rough but exciting journey and we're really grateful for everyone who supported us. So there it is. Uh, links are up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. We'll take you to their website directly. Use the code RSB10 to get a discount while you're doing it. And you're supporting a great family, wonderful business, and you're supporting your own health and sustainability in regards to, uh, well, what we went through in COVID. There were certainly supply chain breakdowns. And if the Fed keeps inflating the money supply, your ability to purchase things with Federal Reserve notes is going to diminish. You're going to have to work harder to gain more of those that buy less of those. You know, so alternate means of exchange interactivity. As I said, uh, I want you to explore all options available to you: gold, silver, gold backs, etc. As we yeah. move forward, uh, because the business model of globalism is only available via centralized planning bureaucracies, which means you're enslaving the worker class to become the producers for the uber wealthy. Even though they'd like to say, well, we're doing it because we want to help the poor. Like, no, no, no. They want to enslave the poor or get rid of the poor and enslave the middle class. Uh, all of these do, pro- proclaimed do-gooders would not know how to produce their own food if you gave them the manual and had a, I don't know, somebody just reading it to them as they tried to do it. These people cannot survive unless they enslave you. And I'm looking to support people like Philip and his wife and family with good products that will sustain your health and life. And as you said, Philip, you can do this too, those of you who are inclined to do so. But everybody's got their strengths and weaknesses, their abilities, and find out what you're really good at, what God put you on this earth for, and go go for it, go at it, and then support others that have the integrity to do the things, Philip, that you're doing. Oh, well, thank you. 
Yeah, we, we're very passionate about it and we appreciate uh, you giving us the time to, to talk about it. Yeah, well, good to connect and I hope to see you at an event soon. I don't know uh, if you guys can be at any of the events, but check out the upcoming events tab at robertscottbell.com. And uh, you can be sure if I'm there and you're there, I'll make sure people find out about you if they don't already know. Awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah. All right, Philip. Thanks. Big hugs to your whole family. Appreciate that. Great news. More options than before. Uh, another new option for you. Now, in the show notes as well, uh, not only do you get the links to uh, great deals, there's a special tab at the top. If you go to robertscatbell.com, you hit the, the tab that says more. It'll give you advertiser discount code. So you'll get the best deal on anything and everything that you want to be able to utilize to sustain your health and your family. And I love bringing that to you. And by the way, uh, the Sovereign Silver Natural Healing Gel, which is based on the first aid gel that I helped to develop many years ago, is now coming out in a tube to make it possible for you to use it all. The frustration people had is like they would shake the bottle at the end. I can't get to the bottom. Now you'll have access to it. And there's a pre-order special going on right now. And Super Don has that also at robertscottbell.com. Just click on that. You'll get 20% off plus one free bottle free travel size shot of uh, the sovereign silver that is so good for your immune system keep you strong on the road or wherever you are at home uh any kind of thing the summer stuff that you're you're challenged with as well so i'm glad about that now if we go back to the show notes today june 20th uh 2023 we're one day shy of the summer solstice we have uh an hour two paul hutchinson is going to join us and uh, what if I, I can't wait to hear about his journey to discover how he engaged in what he's doing and it looks like he's saving kids from trafficking and others and it's something if we covered it every day we would be so overwhelmed because of the viciousness of what happens on this planet uh so we'll talk to paul about his journey and how he's helping and how you can help him as well uh we do have a quick question of the day before we get to the top of the hour super don you think we could squeeze that one in uh before we uh... So this is from Kristen. Kristen says, what are your recommendations for treatment of Lyme disease active for a 10 year old? Thanks so much, Kristen. Well, this is a bigger question than I have time to fully in, integrate all of it. But I will say that when we talk about the Borrelia spirochete, that's what they blame the Lyme on. We go back into some pretty nasty, I would call it gain of function studies as well. Man monkeying with creation to create things that didn't normally exist. Uh, out of Lyme, Connecticut, that's where they first identified it. But this may be related to some other nefarious schemes that should not shock you or surprise you anymore, considering the Fauci's of the world and what they did with Wuhan. Uh, but we have strategies that can neutralize that, can facilitate. In fact, one of those is the, the bioactive silver hydrosol. I've worked with many physicians, doctors. Yes, doctors. I have friends who are doctors. They don't hate me because I'm a, a homeopath. And I don't hate them because they're allopathically trained. They're addressing some unusual circumstances like Lyme in a way that typically they would have to rely on antibiotics, long-term antibiotic use. And you know, I'm not a fan of that because it destroys your immune system, destroys your gut, damages so many systems. And so I've helped to train doctors to utilize or rely on things like the bioactive silver hydrosol. I recommend and use to doctors the Argentin 23, the most purest or most available bioavailable form of silver at a safe concentration. And many of these doctors have integrated it with their allopathic therapies to succeed where they weren't succeeding before. Um, I'll give you a quick example of a time where an antibiotic was found to be, let's say, necessary historically. Working with my buddy, Dr. Rents, he would talk about uh, patients that would come in and they'd be able to eradicate the Lyme seemingly everywhere in the body. They would use the silver. They might even use antibiotics or they might want to, not want to. But then there were times where the Borrelia, 
the spirochete apparently would hide within the renal tissue, within the kidneys. And they weren't able to successfully get even the silver there very easily because remember the silver is metabolized via the liver and then brought to the colon, other than that which would enter the blood through sublingual absorption and that bloodstream could get to the kidneys as well. But it wasn't sufficient to overwhelm the Borrelia. And in those cases, Dr. Rents would describe resorting to a, an antibiotic like Rocephin because it had an impact on the kidney and it, the combination of the silver there. Now, that's not saying every time that would happen, but that was just giving you an example of a case where maybe allopathic intervention was necessary in addition to more holistic therapies. But the silver hydrosol taken one teaspoon five times a day, a 10-year-old maybe could do a little less, but they, get, they grow pretty fast three quarters of a teaspoon, five times a day for a prolonged period, reassess every two months, as well as homeopathic remedies, including the, the terrain concept that I taught about, teach about. And you can go to um, Trinity School of Natural Health, trinityschool.org, my lecture on demand, clinical homeopathy 101 plus will give you the basics of the terrain, how to heal and help the liver to do its job, the digestive system and the inflammation scenario. Uh, so that's something I would look at as well as we can use nozodes homeopathic forms of the Borrelia to sensitize the immune system to target that specific thing. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Desbio has a Lyme remedy. Uh, Mira Gabriel says that. Yes. And I wish I'd like to make a better rapport with uh, Desbio. I haven't interacted with them, but they have great formulas and they're aligned with our friends at Trinity as well. And they have a good homeopathic Lyme formula. And uh, she's got a nine-year-old. He's doing well at 11. So there you go. Hopefully that's helpful, Kristen. We'll pause there because it's the top of the hour. Got to take a break. And uh, when we come back, uh, synthetic human embryos, really? How arrogant does man have to be, much less ignorant, to even go forward in experiments like that? We got that and a new guest. First time on the Robert Scott Bell Show coming up. Paul Hutchinson. You definitely want to hear what he has to say. Thanks for being here. Please share the show. Go to robertscottbell.com slash listen for the chat room. And we'll be back after this because the power to heal is yours. All right. You can see in the notes this hour, we're going to be talking with Paul Hutchinson. Uh, quite a journey. I can't wait to hear some of that backstory of how he does what he does coming back from a high finance uh, investment group to uh, to know the things that he does to go in and address one of the most heinous, horrendous things that happens on planet Earth. Humans trafficking other humans. Any human trafficking, any human. It's just, just horrible and disgusting, but there are folks trying to trying to remedy that. And we'll talk about that this hour on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Please sign up for the newsletter. If you go to robertscottbell.com, uh, basically a pop-up will enter. And if you haven't done that already, uh, Super Don occasionally sends that out. Uh, it doesn't overwhelm you. In fact, more people than not say, can you send us more? <laughs> Rather leave them wanting more. I think that's a good thing, Super Don. As busy as you are, I know you'd like to get one out all the time. But I think it somehow balances out. It'll happen. It'll, it'll happen. Very, very good. Soon, very soon. Are you coming down off of your uh, beach high that you spent with the family on the Oregon coast? Yeah, I've had two two nights of of my my really lousy uh, sleep schedule that I have when I'm not at the beach. You remember that? Uh, <laughs> did you get your new bed delivered yet? 
I got the new bed, and the okay. new bed is great if I can right. spend more time in it. Yes, you just um, need a little more time. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's how it works. It's yeah, wow. it's kind of funny how it works that way. But. Oh my gosh! Well, you look good, my friend. I love the Thanks. shirt. You know, honestly, like it, it. You, you, it's just, it works for you. The style works. Yeah, I don't know if it worked for me, but uh, dude, that hat looks good on you. But as Rodney Dangerville said, you get a bowl of soup with that hat, but not not the shirt. The shirt's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> it really looks good. Uh, anyway, last hour, terrific hour. I, I just like Philip and, and his family and what they're doing, providing a real good quality product. And I, and I wanted to spend the time we did on it. I'm glad, uh, glad we've got those links up for everybody to tap into it. So anything else that people need to know about it, it's just, it's just up there. Now you've got the banner to, to Correct. on, right? Yeah. I'm going to keep that banner over on the right side there. Okay. Super. Now, as we move forward this hour real quick, I want to talk about something that, you know, I guess this is an hour of really disgusting topics, but important <laughs> ones nonetheless, you know, not the, the most thrilling topics, but important uh, to realize that there's a lot on this planet that we don't like, we wouldn't want, but is happening. And even if they are just now telling us about it, chances are it's happening a lot bigger than, than you think. And this first story from BBC is about synthetic human embryos raising ethical issues you think of course medical ethics is a little bit of an oxymoron nowadays with their experimenting on humanity and the things that they do with injecting children with hep b shots the moment they're born in a hospital as if they have an immune system that would react to the antigen much less the damage from the aluminum in it and much less the reality that well which infant do you know that is born and that sneaks out of the delivery room to get a tattoo with a dirty needle right? It's just ridiculous on every level that they do that. And there's so much else in the, in the industry of ba birthing babies as if it's a disease to do so. Synthetic human embryos. Scientists have created synthetic human embryos using no eggs or sperm, provoking deep ethical questions. According to reports, they say these things are only days or weeks old and they could help researchers understand the earliest stages of human development, explain pregnancy loss. I don't think that's what they're going for. Call me cynical. Sense. No, I don't think that's what they're going for. You know, with the movement towards um, uh, transhumanism, they would love to be able to just manufacture humans, much like the copper tops of, of the Matrix movies, although it's not a very efficient energy source, but the idea is the same. Enslaving humanity, binding them to machines, denying them their divinity, right? We are born of God. We are created of God, not government, much less that which government allows to have. Well, the atheists think they said this is pretty cool, though, I'm sure. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, it's fascinating. I mean, if you allow yourself just to kind of put things aside and think about, wow. So they've they've actually been able to. And I believe what what they did is they they use stem cells to do this, uh, yeah. and and they've they've managed to create an embryo that uh, I guess in mice uh, uh, experiments they've done that they can actually create like a beating heart and a developing brain. And now I, I can't help it. I I'm, I'm a big fan of the sci-fi genre. Yes, I like science. I mean, come on. Have you not watched any movies? You know, scientists, what are you doing? This is where every great scientific uh, horror film uh, starts, right? I'm just not a big fan of Skynet being real. Well, see, you know, well, you know it, it's interesting you bring up Skynet because I know yeah. you, you like to use Skynet as the analogy for AI, right? A lot of people do. Which like, is yeah. something where what happened, you know, mm -hmm. it's like suddenly they, they threw it out there and people started using it. And now they're like, whoa, hold on a second. This is growing mm -hmm. way too fast. It's moving too fast. We need to stop and and take a look at and they're they're saying the same thing about this now. They're, literally, they're saying the same thing. If you, How far have they gone? Because they're not telling us everything with this. Says the rapid progress has outpaced discussions on how they should be dealt with mm -hmm. ethically and legally. Well, 
Well, yeah. And to your point, you know, you and I were discussing this uh, pre-show. And you remember years ago, there was a, a Chinese scientist that had come out and he said, oh, I just want to let you know that I have cloned a child and, uh, you know, and I've removed, you know, the genes that, you know, would have caused disease, stuff like that. Uh, and that caused a big uproar in the scientific community. And China uh, disappeared that guy for a while. Yeah. I think I, I think he came back uh, and I saw something in the, in the news, but uh, it makes you wonder that, you know, if these scientists are out there and they, they start doing this stuff and they go, oh, wait a minute. No, you need to stop and we're going to put you in prison. Are, are you telling me that there isn't somebody somewhere that's gone? Oh, hey, we'll just keep doing this, but we're just not going to tell anybody. Yeah, right? or, well, look what happened when they said, hey, you can't do the gain of function studies here, Fauci. And they're like, oh, well, we'll send the money to Wuhan in China. Right. So, and they can say, see, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. Yeah. Don't yeah. tell me they're not doing this. Now, this, be, this is beyond atheism. This is a very dangerous thing to do. I, you know, the human soul is it's not something you can manufacture. And I don't know what their true intent and purpose is, but I, I don't like to think nefariously like they do. But sometimes we have to just to head this stuff off at the pass. And, and, you know, I've said this many times over the years, Super D, they use our goodness against us right? Because we wouldn't do these things. So no one else would, right? And you say these things, they'd be like, oh, that's the craziest thing I ever heard. Because of course you wouldn't. A reasonable human being would go, that's horrible. That's atrocious. That's abominable. Yet there are people, many in the medical and scientific field that are atheistic and don't have that spiritual center, ethics, much less morality, uh, that will be willing to experiment. And we've seen that in the medical community, uh, the things that happened in in the you know Nazi Germany, but many of those like Operation Paperclip, they brought them out, and modern medicine is behaving in much the same way during COVID, as you see, the experimenting on humanity with injections, genetically modified uh, mRNA, synthetic mRNA, etc. So I'm going to leave that as it is because I do want to spend some time with our guests this hour, and it's fascinating. And just real quick before we do that, just go to the upcoming events tab at robertscottbell.com. We have an event this very weekend. Uh, if you click on upcoming events, it'll open up and you can just scroll down as it's in order of date. And this Saturday, the 24th of June, I'll be at the Naturally Inspired Health Summit, Real Solutions for Healthy Living. I'm speaking, I think, right after lunch or right about midday, 12, 15 or something that day. And I'll have a booth there. We'll have silver and copper shots, not the kind that you inject, the kind that you drink. And uh, that's at the Ranch Larimer County Fairgrounds and Events Complex. I hope to see you there. Uh, right after that, it's coming up faster than you can believe. And we got a great crowd coming, good people. Uh, ben Tapper, uh, uh, Taryn Gregson said she's coming. And even more people, and I'm surprised. It's amazing. Uh, RSB, first one of its kind, family union, not reunion, because we haven't done this before, July 14th, 15th, and 16th. And that's outside of Joplin, Missouri, Southwest Missouri. We got a whole weekend of family, food, and fun. Uh, the Maho event for the natural products industry, I'll be speaking at and uh, broadcasting from and that's the Summer Splash, and that's Columbus, Ohio. Friday night, the 21st of July, I will be speaking at Whitaker's Farm Market as well, for that's one's open to the public. Then we got the big one, the Red Pill Expo, August 12th, 13th, Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, thanks to G. Edward Griffin, I'll be emceeing the event, speaking there, and we'll have broadcast capacity as well. Then uh, Labor Day weekend, the Cancer Control Society's 48th Annual Cancer Convention, and we should get uh, them on soon to talk about that. It's Labor Day weekend, Glendale Hilton Hotel, Glendale, California, CLA Basin. In September, we go to Las Vegas, Biomed Expo, Health Science and Technology and Consciousness. They've got a brand new a banner up. You can see who's going to be speaking there. 
Uh, I will be speaking. I'll be moderating a number of panels as well. That's going to be a lot of fun in Las Vegas, September 14th through 17th. Then we have the uh, Your Health Freedom uh, early October. That's in Utah. Then we have the Health Freedom Expo, October 14th and 15th outside of Chicago, Tinley Park, and as well as the, uh, the, the Trinity Live just before that for healthcare providers. And then we've got a big one in Phoenix, Scottsdale, Arizona, thanks to Drs. Terry and Stu Warner, Master Plan for Raising Healthy Kids and Adults. Uh, Dr. Jack Wolfson will be there helping, and a lot of other things are going to be going. Really cool, cool stuff happening. So check it out and be at one or all of these events, including my friend, warrior mom, Tracy Slepsevic will be there. So with that, uh, first time on the Robert Scott Bell Show here, and it is uh, uh, an important topic. As I said, it'd be hard to do this every day. It's just heavy. But who's going who's gonna to go in there and save and rescue these kids or anybody that's being trafficked? Paul Hutchinson co-founded Bridge Investment Group. We'll go back to that history uh, as well and find out what he's up to, how he transitioned. We've got links to him and the things we're going to discuss right now on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Welcome, Paul Hutchison to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Thank you for being here, Paul. Thank you, Robert. Thanks for having me on your show. Dude, I, I'm, I'm like so impressed with what I've read about you. Uh, I just, you know, I hesitate to cover the subject because it's so heavy, but it's so important because it's there's real brutality and suffering. And it, arguably, it's been going on for thousands of years, but people think, well, no, with technology and everything, it couldn't be happening now too, could it? Yeah, well, uh, unfortunately it is. And, uh, and we'll keep it light. It's a super heavy, heavy subject. Uh, in fact, uh, um, a movie is coming out the week of July 4th. And, uh, and a lot of people will, uh, will think, oh, that's a super heavy subject. I don't want to go bring a box of tissues. It's called the sound of freedom and uh, bring a box of tissues. But I will say that it's a beautiful story about the rescue and rehabilitation and reuniting of the children with their families. And so there is a light at the end of the tunnel in the darkness. Is, is this the one by, well, how do you pronounce his last name? Jim Caviezel? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Jim Caviezel, he played Jesus, Passion of the Christ. He played yeah. uh, Count of Monte Cristo. So, so Jim plays the part of the Homeland Security agent who first uh, recruited me. Uh, it starts with some of his history and leaving Homeland Security, et cetera. It was my very first rescue mission, my first of now 70 that I have led or been a part of over the last 10 years. Uh, the part of me is played by the producer, uh, Eduardo Verastegui. He plays a part of the billion-dollar fund manager who decides to quit his job to focus his time and energy on rescuing kids. So th this is this story is is rooted in truth, and I, I, I don't know what's oh. fictionalized. You'll have to describe it, but, I mean, this is really the stuff that happens now. There's a movie that just came out with Liam Hemsworth, uh, Extraction, one and two. I mean, these things are Hollywood versions of going in and rescuing. And there's not a lot of fact. It's, you know, a lot of fiction and things that I don't think would really happen. But what you're describing is helping to fund actually going in with people that are qualified to do so. Go in risking their lives. Yes, heavily armed because we're dealing with, with people that are willing to kill and abuse and, and, and just torture. Uh, to save children, innocent children, and bring them out and rescue them. So this is the kind of stuff that they make Hollywood movies about, but they don't because the subject matter is probably too close to a lot of people in Hollywood because arguably a lot of the money involved in those high-level operations also is involved in funding this human trafficking thing. Well, Robert, here's what's interesting. We finished that film four years ago and had the hardest time getting it out to distribution. Um, you know, myself and some other uh, wealthy families helped to fund 
the movie itself so we didn't have to go the Hollywood route because we didn't want to just turn the story over to somebody who could control it or table the story for 20 years, et cetera. So once we had it done, and this is it's not a little indie film. I mean, we put we put almost $14 million into production of this film. And uh, and it is very well done. When you watch it, we believe it'll be the top grossing film this year. We really do. And uh, we had to go finally with an alternative um, way of, of distribution. We went with Angel Studios. They're the ones who, um, who put the, the TV series The Chosen mm-hmm. and a uh, fantastic organization. And they have a solid grassroots movement group. Uh, a lot of them, I'm sure, are your listeners because they're they're very much into freedom and holistic healing and you know living living life in in a in a solid way where we're not being controlled by by uh, other people's agendas, et cetera. So with that audience, we're actually the number one grossing film for pre-sales in the country right now. Wow! So this is coming out July 4th, and it's going to be in in uh, theater distribution. Theaters, no. yeah. You'll, well, we have over two thousand, about two thousand theaters in the U.S. right now that are. Uh, so there should be a theater near you that has it. It will change your life. I guarantee this will be your favorite film of the year, and you'll want to share it with more people. And it's true. That's what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. This is this is based on true stories. Now, I will say this: um, we actually took eight different rescue missions and put their stories all together. We had a lot of, you know, we had some Navy SEALs and Green Berets that that were out doing the work. We had to take their stories. We kept them hidden undercover. So we took their stories and combined them all together in the character of, of Jim Caviezel. Um, but it's based on on true events all the way through, the true events of the Homeland Security agent and, and what he did to come out of that and recruiting me to help fund the mission, going undercover myself as, as a wealthy um, in fact, I'll tell you just a, a 30 second preview of, of yes. really, really what happened. So I got a phone call and my, my, uh, like I say, my role is played by Eduardo Verasca. I get a phone call from the attorney general. This is about 10 years ago. He said, Paul, he said, I know you've donated millions of dollars to child related charities. He said, I have something super dark. I need to talk to you about. It's the fastest growing criminal enterprise in the world. And good people don't know that it's happening. He said, there's a Homeland Security agent in Colombia that, uh, uh, that has found 20 children in Cartagena. He needs $50,000 to rescue these children, and the government won't give him the money because he can't prove that there's any Americans involved, and they figure it's Colombia's problem. And he's like, look, these are kids, and he believes some of them were American kids, and the perpetrators were Americans going down. And so, you know, for me, I was, I was on the Make-A-Wish board. I, I had served on a whole bunch of child-related charities. And I was on the Make-A-Wish board. I was on for the last seven years at that point. And I was the incoming chairman for Make-A-Wish in in Utah area at the time. And with Make-A-Wish, beautiful organization, $10,000, I can send a little girl to Disneyland for a week, which is important. She's struggling with cancer and it transforms her life. But here, $50,000, we could pull 20 children out of hell and get them back to their families. There just wasn't a comparison. So I helped to make that happen. And a few days later, he called me. And he said, Paul, I'm in Cartagena. There's not just 20 children here. There's more than 50 and there's more than 100 children tied to this same trafficking ring in other cities. He said, we have a plan. We believe we can rescue all 100 children on the same day at the same time. But I need your help in a big way. And I said, well, well, how much do you need? And he said, well, I need you. 
can you be in Colombia in two days? He said, I, I, I have to have somebody who can effectively negotiate a multi-million dollar real estate deal with the traffickers, with the cartel. He said the head trafficker down here has a piece of property he wants to develop into a child brothel sex resort, like, like Jeffrey Epstein had. Yeah. He said he believes he can make tens of millions of dollars a year, but he needs about $8 million to build this out. He said, here's our plan. You fly down here. You tell him, listen, I've got a bunch of rich friends and we'll come down. And, and he said, I'm willing to fund your project under one condition. Two weeks from now, I'm going to come with some of my buddies. We want a party. You bring all of your children that you have right now and any of your other friends. If you can prove to me that you can fill this resort, then I'll fund it. But it has to be ones that are, you know, they're ready to go. And so, so we already knew that he had access to over 100 children. This so, is like a reverse deception extraordinaire. I mean, absolutely. what a brilliant strategy. Well, and, and, and there was a gal there. She was Miss Cartagena. She was this beauty queen. And she had this fake modeling agency. And she was going around to towns in Latin America and telling the parents, oh, your daughter's too pretty to be working in the field. She should be a model. She was kind of the queen pin that running this whole thing. And, and it was the darkest conversation of my life, Robert. Yeah, I don't I'm, know how you were able to sustain that, uh, that I'm ruse. I'm sitting there at this table and these guys are showing me pictures of children, children. And, and, and saying, oh, yeah, look at this one, look at this one. And I'm like, oh, this is really happening. I can't even believe this. And two weeks later, we fly back in. They meet with the U.S. Embassy. The Colombian federal agents provided 40 agents for us. They, four of them were our waiters or our maids or our, our cooks. You know, they were not very good cooks, but they're armed. You know, 25 were there to storm the party at the right time. And these guys showed up with all these. It ended up being over 120 children. Largest child rescue operation in one day in history that I know of. Yeah. And and the, the thing that changed my life forever is after the agents came, stormed everybody, me included, the bad guys think that we got extradited to the U.S. to stand trial. Child Protective Services people came in with the children and they started, they started laughing. They, they started singing with the children. And that sound of freedom was the most beautiful sound that I ever heard. I started crying. That's why we named the movie The Sound of Freedom. Mm. And, and, and I turned to the attorney general and I said, oh, I said, I spent my whole life making rich people richer. I want to make a difference. I want to write you a check. What do you need? You tell me what you need. And he said, Paul, he said, unfortunately, the majority of demand for this horrible act in second and third world countries comes from wealthy men in first world countries, wealthy, connected, political, Hollywood, whatever. He said, I can't teach my Navy SEALs how to wear a $4,000 suit and a $50,000 watch and negotiate a multi-million dollar deal. He said, and I don't know of any ultra successful business owners who's had the training that you've had. He said, if you're willing to be the bait, I'll change your whole life. Wow. Paul, can you turn down the gain on your microphone? Do you have the ability to do that? You're kind of redlining it. I know it's an intense yeah. subject. And, and or, or, I'll, or I'll stay away from the microphone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Here. But dude, <laughs> uh, I'm just, wow. Now, what occurs to me in the midst of all of this is like there's a lot of high level corruption in all industries. We talk about high finance, Hollywood. Uh, we can't discount government and, 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 and those in government that are colluding. How is it that you knew or sense perhaps that the attorney general at that time, I, I don't know if you can name the attorney general at that time, but 
I'm concerned about corruption with our own government participating in this, that this was not a sting to get you in trouble somehow. <laughs> yes, I, I, I totally understand the concern there. And I agree with you. There are people in very high uh, positions in governments around the world who are part of it. And the benefit that I had is that I had been friends with our attorney general for a very long time, for over a decade. And I knew he was a man of integrity. Uh, his name is Sean Reyes here in here in Utah. And um, and I, I helped him get in office because there was so much corruption in that office, in other political offices. And so for a long time, I'm like, listen, I'm not interested in being a king. I want to be a kingmaker. I'm going to find good people with integrity that can fix the system that can drain the swamp that can deal with all these challenges so so i i helped to to get sean elected financially introduce him to people so i knew he was a man of integrity and i trusted that i wasn't going to be part right. of something that would be okay. dark no and i figured it had to be a relationship because yeah. again this is what i've told people it's like you gotta have a track record with people and not just over a week or two or even sometimes a year or two i mean decade you know, and watch somebody and, and see how they act and interact at times where easily could have been corrupted. And they, if they haven't been, this is, you know, yeah. why my good friend, Jonathan Emord, who's an attorney that's beaten the FDA back a world record eight times, he's running for the United States Senate in Virginia to defeat Tim Kaine, who we know is as bad as they come, Hillary Clinton, you know, lackey. And, uh, I've known him for two, over two decades, 25 years or more now. And, uh, he's, uh, someone we need in the United States Senate, for instance, not that one man can change everything or one woman. It's just like, we need people of integrity that know the constitution that uh, cannot be bought. And, and that's what I'm talking about in support of someone like you mentioned, Sean Reyes as well, and what he did in this case. So this movie compiles a lot of these experiences into one story, Jim Caviezel. I think I, I may have met you, but, but briefly, if you were there at the truth about cancer uh, gala, when Jim was there talking about uh, a few years back, Race you you may have met uh, you may have met Tim. Tim, Tim was there with him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tim, Tim, uh, Jim actually plays Tim in the movie. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So I'm I I've been deep cover for okay. the last ten years. I haven't I haven't had any social media or anything because I've been running the deep undercover rescue missions up until just a few months ago. Okay. So so my face wasn't anywhere until this new transition just a few months ago, deciding that we're going to rescue a lot more children with a different approach. Okay. So the, the transition is on then. And, and I guess that's the next big question I have is what can any of us do to help? I mean, there are not, you know, hedge fund managers with access to big money. Is there anything that the average folks can do that see and are outraged by what goes on on this planet and want to see it corrected if it's at all possible? Absolutely. And that's, that's really the story of my change and my transformation is, is that 10 years ago, I'm on that rescue mission, the one that's portrayed in The Sound of Freedom. I'm, I'm sitting there on this chair. These traffickers brought this little girl. She's 11 years old. She was being sold for the very first time as a virgin. She was scared to death, shaking, looking at me like I was the enemy, that I was the man that was going to defile her. And I was, I was so glad it was us there and not some monster. And, and, and I, I looked in that little girl's eyes and I made a promise to myself, to God, and to that little 11-year-old in my mind and in my heart that I would do everything in my power to eradicate 
that evil from the face of the earth. I, I, I came with credibility. I came with money. I have connections. I'm going to use whatever it took to eradicate that. At the time, there was roughly 8 million children total that were being sold in, in the world, somewhere between 1 and 2 million a year that were being sucked into the deepest recesses of hell. So I then focused my money, my time, my resources. I led or was a part of over 70 undercover rescue missions over the last 10 years. And a few months ago, I just finished up some, some rescue missions in Ecuador, took down a bunch of trafficking rings there. I looked at the numbers, Robert, and I realized there's more today. There's over 10 million children worldwide that are in this. And I thought, if my goal is to eradicate this problem, I wasn't doing a very good job doing rescue missions. So I, I stepped back and I said, okay, what needs to happen? What needs to change? And what can everybody do? Because not everybody can go, you know, hang out with Navy SEALs at, at two in the morning in downtown Mexico City and find traffickers. That's just super dangerous. And 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 it, it wouldn't be good either. It would be, you know, a lot of people would get hurt. And so what can people do? And up until now, the best thing that people could do is just write a check. You know, we had the, the, the Child Liberation Foundation is my foundation that we started a number of, of, of years ago. And people could, could go to the Child Liberation Foundation, donate, and that would go to help rescue missions, et cetera. But that was the only thing people could do. So I took a step back and I said, where is the demand coming from? Because the problem was every single time we were pulling 20 children out of hell, it created a vacuum. Yeah, because, and they went and got more kids because the demand was not addressed. Exactly. exactly. So how do so you? It's a I, broken society. This is yeah. what's going on, Robert. Yeah. For a long time, I thought that the demand was coming from people who had hardcore pornography addiction. Right? They 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 get addicted. They go down this dark road. They start look looking at things they wouldn't have even thought was attractive five years ago, and then they're acting out on these horrific fantasies. That's where I thought it was coming from. I've now come to an understanding that even that is a symptom of a deeper problem. Here's what the real problem is, and here's where everybody can get behind it, okay? Here's the real problem. Literally, one in every four women that you know has been a victim of child uh, of, of sexual violence as a child, most of them in their own home. With men, it's a little bit less. It's about... 20% of all men at some time in their life, but a huge percentage, like a quarter of them, 200 million men in this world had, were a victim of sexual violence under the age of 10 years old. So here's what's happening. Here's what's happening. We have generational abuse that is getting worse every single generation because about two thirds of the people who, who were victimized as a child, about two thirds of the, them God bless them. They've worked through it. They've, they've got some help. Most of it's holistic healing is more effective. We can talk about that later, more effective than traditional therapy. And they, they're able to shed that trauma, be good husbands, good wives, good fathers, good mothers, etc. One third of the people who are abused as children become contact offenders of multiple children. And so, so every time that I was face to face with a trafficker, people ask me, they say, Paul, how, how are you able to go face to face with somebody selling an eight-year-old and not have them see the anger and hatred in your eyes? And my answer surprises them. I say, I actually feel really bad for them. How, how can you do that? They're, they're selling an eight. Now, I love the innocence of that child more. 
and I will do everything in my power to ensure they never hurt another child again. But I've come to an understanding that hurt people hurt other people. And I, I found myself praying and wishing that it, it, what if, what if I could turn back the clock five years, 10 years, 15 years before he ever decided it was okay to sell an eight-year-old child, before he ever touched a child or, or caused that abuse? What if I could go back and give them the help that they need before they became contact offenders? And I realized, wow, there's the answer right there. Literally every single person listened to this today has either been abused as a child or they know somebody very closely who has. We, we have covered stories. We've had people on that shared these brutal experiences. Obviously the ones that have, they've not overcome it, certainly processed it in a way and healed from it in a way that they have not become the abusers of the next generations. Cause you pointed that out. And this is what I said. Uh, this just doesn't happen to people randomly off the street that they go into this and want to do that. There's something that is very damaged serious damage that has occurred emotionally, psychically, spiritually, physically in childhood that warps a sense of reality that makes you vulnerable to do the very things that we know the average folks would go, this is the most horrible thing you can think of that anybody would ever do. And how does it happen? Why does it happen? As you point out, hurt people, hurt people, not all, but there's a percentage of them that don't recover and then end up continuing this thousands year old history, if you will. So we have to come to it from a place of compassion yeah. and say, can we take millions of people who didn't get the help they need and give them the help they need? We will save billions of children. That's the answer right there. So we've, we've, just, we've put together something. I had the Child Liberation Foundation. We put together Liberating Humanity. All of my, my social media over the last three weeks now is all says liberate dash humanity is is the focus there we bought the domain liberate dash humanity so so our focus is in not just liberating the 10 year old from the clutches of a trafficker in in honduras our goal is liberating the 10 year old inside of every man and woman in their 20s 30s and 40s who who dealt with challenge and here's here's the thing robert the average age of somebody who comes out and tells other people or even remembers that they were abused as a child, the average age is 52 years old. That's my age. Wow. I've, I've already raised my kids. I've already built my career. We, so many people, they're holding this trauma in for decades. So if we could give them the help they need. So we're, we're focusing all of our money now on healing on healing the children in the, in the safe houses, in healing the adults by building healing retreats and putting together programs and information for them to get the help that they need to shed that trauma so that they could move forward and, and, and have a life where they're never, ever, ever susceptible to passing on their trauma to another person. Paul, God bless you, my friend. This is uh, absolutely astonishing what you're bringing today. And I, I, somewhat dread having to talk about this because we've we've covered things like this over the years and uh, never have i come out with well there's an a, there's actually a plan uh, that anybody can tap into and support and engage in now i see the website as i clicked in our show notes today at robertscabell.com liberatechildren.org gets me right there it's yeah right yeah right yeah liberatechildren.org that takes you to the child liberation foundation okay and uh yep exactly that's our that's our foundation the child liberation foundation 
And uh, that'll actually have a new version of the website in the next few weeks that is is focusing, has a lot of tools relating to healing, healing of children who have been through these challenges and young adults, et cetera. And then beyond that, we will have the, the Liberate Humanity, Liberate-Humanity, yeah, right there. Okay. That, that one, we're, we're adding a whole bunch of material over the next few weeks uh, to that site as well mm-hmm. that is helping adults deal with their trauma and, and have the tools they need. Well, you're right. A lot of them have suppressed these memories to such a degree that the abusers of the next generation don't even know that they, I mean, they've suppressed even some of those memories of the abuse. There's so much trauma that is visited. Now, I know every case is unique and different, but I've talked to folks with stories like this where it's like they're walking through life and they could be looking like anybody else and yet engaging in the most heinous acts you can imagine and wouldn't want to imagine. And yet again, that abuse, the psychological torture, all of that suppresses it to the fun- to where they can seemingly function in society. And you wouldn't know uh, and, until, as you said, they didn't even know. A part of them is like the partitioning of, and this is not excusing behavior. That's not at all what I'm saying. I don't think you are either. But the reality of the cycle of abuse begetting more abuse. But we know that many people, as you point out, the majority of people that were abused don't end up visiting that on the next generation. So there's a way out for even those that are engaging in this. Maybe there are some that can't, but the point is what you're doing is now getting after the demand, if you will. Are we coming back to that? The demand for that kind of thing? Exactly. That's, that is the only way we're going to fix this. Now, now, I'm not taking away from the fact that every time I was on an undercover rescue mission and every time we still have teams of Navy SEALs and other guys that we're funding to go rescue these kids. And I'm not taking away from the fact that every one of those children now has a chance at a new life. But I will say that unless we fix the demand, we will never fix the problem. Just we could rescue every single child right now, all 10 million of them. Boom. Take them, put them back in healthy families or with their original families and in less than a year, there would be that many more children sucked back in because of the demand is there. That's what we need to fix. Yeah. Hey, Super Don, do you think we could play the trailer for this movie? Uh, was it Sound of Freedom? Song of Freedom? Freedom. Yep. Sound of Freedom. Okay. My my daughter's in a play coming up July 4th called uh, 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 Cries of Freedom. You know, it's a, a patriotic play about the history of freedom in America and the dawning of it. But this is a movie opening July 4th. And I encourage everybody to get tickets now in advance and see it on opening day if you can or soon thereafter. And uh, let's check out the trailer right now. I don't think I can do this job, Tim. As soon as I lay down, all they see are those kids' faces. How long you been doing this? 12 years. How do you do it? It is the fastest growing international crime network that the world has ever seen. It has already passed the illegal arms trade, and soon it's gonna pass the drug trade. Señor 
you walking into a room right now, seeing an empty bed. What would we do? Shivering stars drift around in the sky. We're Homeland Security. You know we can't go off rescuing kids in Colombia. This job tears you to pieces. This is my one chance to put those pieces back together. We're talking about extracting an 11-year-old girl from an army of rebels. Not just her. I'm talking about rescuing hundreds of kids. She could be a block down the road, or she could be in Moscow, Bangkok, L.A. Over two million children a year are being sucked into the deepest recesses of hell. Do nothing. Someday it's gonna reach the likes of you. What if this was your daughter? If you would like to help us expose the horrible reality of human trafficking by bringing this true powerful story to the big screen, express interest now at angel.com slash freedom. Wow, uh, it's powerful. The trailer is amazing. And uh, the impact that you've had that many people didn't know is you only recently, as I said, came out of the shadows to, to acknowledge it because you got a different strategy now from this moment forward. It also occurs to me another aspect of uh, the demand, if you will. There are nefarious people on this planet that do great evil, that exploit these things. Whether they've been abused or not, I don't know. But I'm thinking about the highest levels of government and the people in it, that they utilize these children, these compromising situations to capture people that might not easily be bought in certain ways, but they compromise them through this. I think, you know, the whole Epstein thing and thinking about the the, the logs of who was involved and suddenly people that are out of character doing one thing their whole life and then suddenly doing something else in terms of even in government and how many wars have been fought and other millions of people have, have died based on corrupting people that may have been abused and have that vulnerability and they exploit that vulnerability, capture them in a compromising situation and then alter policy on the planet at a high level where it will destroy millions of lives in addition to these children. And you've been at the highest levels of finance. You're talking big money, power plays. There's a lot of evil doing at that level. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen at the micro level too, but it has a bigger impact at that level because it impacts the lives of millions, perhaps billions in the big scheme of thing when it comes to war and other things in government. You are 100% right on. You have to understand that um, I believe that the reason the 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 list of people who had visited Jeffrey Epstein's island and all of these powerful people that were there, the reason we have never seen that and the reason none of them have been brought to justice is darker than most people understand. Because if you have a, a senator, a congressman, an attorney general, a, a, a judge, if you have any of these guys, any of these guys on film, with a 14 year old, then you control their vote forever, forever. You, you control it. And so you, you, if you get that degree of dirt on people, then you don't want to 
bring it out into the legal system, have them arrested, have them removed from office. Why? Because then you have a brand new clean person there that you can't control, yeah. right? Yeah. That's what's going on. And you're 100% right. This is, this is dark. It's dark on every level. And on that highest level, if, if you can get dirt on somebody, them cheating on their wife or whatever else, if they're a good you know, family man type of a thing, or if they don't care about that, if you can get that kind of dirt, with them with a minor, mm -hmm. you control everything yeah. about their votes, everything. And so you're you're 100% right. That's where policies are changed. That's where that's where dark agendas are pushed on all of us from a from a from a control perspective is by pushing that button. That's been in the workbook for for over 100 years and it's worse now than ever. Yeah. And Paul, that you know that brings to light again the power structures on the planet uh, that are not following you know god's edicts but something far more sinister dark i mean you just it's hard to describe except you know we're acknowledging it exists and it has existed for a long time um you know i want good people to go into government i'm not a fan of big government large government any more than our founders were but at the same time you know what we've seen with government i think it facilitates a lot of this criminality that's why it's a shock as you mentioned an attorney general said hey this is going on. Can you do something about it? Because I, I often the opposite. They know what's going on and they're actually participating with it. Even at the federal level, people that, you know, oppose, you know, oppose it overtly or look to be the family man. And yet they have mm -hmm. this dark, sinister side and they've been captured or they're capturing others through this, uh, this abuse cycle, if you will. So it goes from the smallest of the you know child that's affected to the entirety of the globe and policies impacting everyone. Um, and here's here's what you can tell too. Now realize this: there's a lot of good people in mm -hmm. in in leadership. There's a lot of good, and I I know a lot of them very very well. But you can tell you can tell the very weak that somebody's been compromised. You 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 watch how they come into office, bold, in charge, having the best interest of you as the the uh, of of their constituents in 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 the front row. And then sometime a year later, two years later, three years later, they sell out. Right. And you're like, why are they selling out? Somebody's got dirt on them. Somebody's got dirt. And, and for some of them, it's a lot of dirt and some of them it's less, but it's definitely something yeah. that, that is affecting all of them. Yeah. So the, the point of me bringing that up is that even if you know no one and there are very few people that know no one that have been abused or had, you know, has a story like this, it's impacting you. It's impacting every one of us because of all the way up to the most powerful power structures on the planet. There are those that are compromised in this way that impact you and your kids and great, whether you're ever brought directly into that fold, the policies that are manifest based on the power of brokers at that level, because not everybody's good. There are good people. I agree, but they have used our goodness against us because we wouldn't ever do that. So why would we believe or perceive this could be real? Oh, it's not. I would. That's ridiculous. It's a conspiracy theory, right? No, it's not. It's very real. And it's the brutality of the realness of something also is used against us because we don't want to look at it. We don't want to acknowledge its existence. It's too painful. Uh, at the same time, what you've done uh, is extraordinary. Behind the scenes now coming out, and I'm greatly appreciated, Paul, and as well as now this film, which also is bringing a lot more to it in, a, in an engaging way, uh, utilizing the arts, if you will, to make good things happen outside of what we could say in the Hollywood machine churning and burning the, the very thing that we're talking about here. Um, 
there's a lot to overcome. I, I'm not delusional. I don't think you are as far as the gravity and the, the depth and breadth of the situation, but we can't say it's just too big and not do anything. Yeah. I believe we can win, Robert. I do. I believe we can win. Light will win. Righteousness will win. God will win. We, we, we're at a super dark time. And I believe that we're going to see uh, upheavals and, and challenges within the system uh, crumbling like we've never seen before. And it will bring people to their knees. And they will then start looking heavenward and looking inward and saying, okay, where did we go wrong? And at that point, we will have the opportunity to share with them the path to freedom, the path to peace, the path to a better, healthier life that they're so bombarded right now with, with this mass psychosis of, of the, the, the main street media being controlled and social media being controlled and, and all of the information that's coming into them is being controlled by people who don't have their best interest in mind. Mm -hmm. And so when all of that happens, we will be here we will be here with using our voices, using our words to liberate humanity. That's what it is. We will help liberate humanity through giving them the tools they need to break free of the generational trauma that has held them down, to break free of the negative habit patterns of thought that are keeping them from expanding, from growing, from stepping into their light and living a life of true integrity. Oh man. Thank you, Paul. Um, are there any premiere events of the film that people can attend specifically maybe with Q and a involved or anything like that? Or is it just, yeah, we have, we have a bunch, a lot of them are, uh, are, are getting, uh, filled up. I have one in Miami, uh, later this week. Um, we have one in, in Southern California with a bunch of celebrities and stuff that are coming. Uh, that's going to be the, the, the week that it, it opens on July 4th. So there's a lot of them that are going, um, that we have have the different actors that are coming. So just you know, reach out to us on the on our our Facebook page or our Instagram or on my Paul Hutchinson official. Any of those, and we can we can get people there that are um, that are going to help us spread this message. If not, it's going to be in theaters week of July fourth, and it will be on the Angel Studios platform moving from there. And I believe it will make a a powerful impact in everybody's life that watches it. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, are there any uh, premieres like that in Utah coming up? As you mentioned, yeah, yeah, we do. We've we've got a we've got a few. I think we have one on the twenty eighth in Utah. Um, we have another one on on uh, the I think almost every day in in Utah after the twenty eighth. We've got different ones that are showing, and then of course the week of the fourth, it's open everywhere, and a lot of us is as undercover operators and some of the actors will be at those doing questions and answers as well. All right. Well, let's stay in touch on this. If I can help promote any of them, uh, maybe I could be at one of those events as well. I would uh, love that. Let me know if I can help in any way, because you know, what you're doing is God's work and uh, it's not, uh, we all have a choice. You know, we have the freedom to ignore it. We have the freedom to try and pray it away. If uh, that hasn't worked, you know, a lot of people are sending a lot of prayers and petitions over this issue. Uh, there's a lot of folks, as you've revealed, including yourself, that have boots on the ground to make the, the difference. And now taking it out to that next level of knowing why and how it happens. Because if we don't, then, you know, we're often tilting at windmills, trying to do a good work, but not succeeding. 
I think uh, what I sense from you is all the experiences and the things that you've gone through and others have, you strategize that there's another way forward. And I appreciate being able to reveal that a little bit of it today. If there's more, you're welcome here anytime. Wonderful. I, I appreciate that. And, you know, understand this, Robert, this, the, I'm going to touch on this because I was listening to your, your, your stuff earlier. The key to success in this is helping people connect to the divinity inside, to, to God, to look outside of, of their five senses and understand there's something more. There's something that, that they can use to help them shed that crap in their life and live a healthy life moving forward into a place of healing. And so those are the things, you know, I'm, I'm taking a non-religious but very spiritual approach to helping people heal. Yeah. And in doing so, we, we will save millions, if not billions of children. Yeah, well, it only strengthens my resolve to, you know, as I've acknowledged in my own journey to healing, uh, becoming a homeopath, that my role is not actually what you think it is. It isn't to find the right remedy for you. It's to reconnect you to the source of all healing, and that is your divinity. And that supersedes any 501c3 church, synagogue, or mosque. It's your direct connection to the divine. And from there, all healing becomes possible, and in fact, likely. Uh, but anything prior or less than that, there's there's ways in that can be corrupted and, and we could be thrown off course. That's the vulnerability uh, we all have. I, I, I bring up this other film, speaking of film, uh, The Devil's Advocate with Keanu Reeves and Al Pacino. And to spoil the ending for everybody that hasn't seen it, it's an R-rated movie. It's not an easy movie. for It's not for kids. But uh, at the end of the movie, you know, Keanu's character supposedly wins. We beat the devil. We defeated the devil. And then he comes back and gives him everything he wants from a, a vanity perspective and says it basically vanity always gets them in the end. There's always that vulnerability when we don't have that humility in the presence of God to recognize we're not so great. Yes, we are great and created in God's image, but the ego aspect of it, the lower form of I'm so awesome, right? Uh, it's ignorant and it, it allows for deception and it allows for the vulnerability and allows for this uh, uh, abuse to continue. And so I think it is a spiritual crisis ultimately and how do we reach those people? I don't know that there's one way. Everybody responds differently. We're all created uniquely in God's image, and uh, we see and experience things uniquely through our own experience. So um, I appreciate, again, your approach there. And uh, I, I, I mean, I could spend hours with you, and we'll never run out of great discussion points, and I think that we'll be uplifted from it and for it. So thank you. Well, thank you for having me on the show, Robert. I'm super grateful for the time, and I know that your uh, your audience can – uh, gain a lot of value from the tools that we're providing on the Child Liberation Foundation website and on Liberate Humanity as well and uh, Liberate-Humanity uh, website. And then, of course, the movie coming out, all of them will give them the tools and the inspiration to to make a difference because faith without works is dead. We've, we've got to step forward and actually do something, yeah. look at evil in the eye and say, nope, you're not going to win. We're here together. We're going to win. Okay. Paul Hutchinson, God bless you. Thank you for being on board today. Like I said, you're welcome back anytime. And uh, we'll continue this discussion on the other side with Super Don in the bonus round of the Robert Scott Bell Show. Paul, thank you for all you're doing. And everybody, go see that movie and more. Take part in this uh, uh, great evolution and revolution to overcome the abuse that has been here for a long time. Uh, and uh, as I, said, I, I, I don't know that any one of us can solve it, but coming together like this, we can do a lot of good things. I'm clear about that. So thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. If you have 30 more seconds, one shameless plug. Mm -hmm. I have a book coming out in a few months 
called Are You Listening? Not are you listening with my finger on my ear, but are you listening with my hand on my heart? Nice. Because that's the every single rescue mission, I wasn't following logic and protocol. We were following something much more powerful that kept us alive, that helped us find those children. And that is the answer to identifying your path to, to abundance in every area of your life and finding, finding that path to healing as well. Beautiful. And if you are listening, you'll know that the power to heal is truly yours. Man, deep breath after that one, Super D. Yeah, no kidding. Looks like a great movie. Wow, another <clears> one. Yeah. Doesn't it? People it, are it's putting like, some quality, quality films. Yeah, that now, now, have you yet seen the, the Nefarious movie? No, I have got this, to. It, it just reminds me of the yeah. same thing where it's like you had this, this, these movies that are coming out <clears throat> that really, really look good, but they have great messages and super high uh, quality people and, behind them. Yeah, and important <clears throat> messages. Whatever was in one, there it is, right there. Wow. I love disposable entertainment, but I also love uh, the yeah. idea of of stuff with a good message that uh, is mm -hmm. doing good things. So. Yeah, what a cool show today! I mean, we definitely, yeah. uh, you know, we got the now the carnivore ball. God, unlike yesterday's show, what a right, train wreck right. that was. That one, yeah. So go listen to that if you want to know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Anyway, dude. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. So we had a question of the day on grounding. Do you want to take it in bonus round or shall we integrate um, it? Tomorrow? Yeah. Well, well, we can we can save it for tomorrow. I like okay. to do the questions of the day in the show. In the show. So Dan and Cindy wait yeah. for tomorrow on the qu grounding question. But here's the, the question I asked you off the air was like, yeah. did you, Super Don, take your shoes off and walk on the beach, get the, the sand in your toes? And you're like, no, but I did get sand in my toes. <laughs> I did. I did. Not the, the way I was hoping, but um, dude, I had a great time. Yeah, I did. Um, and I'll I'll do it again. You know, I want to do it more often. Mm -hmm. I told my wife, I said, you know, we need to do this more often. We just do. I need to do this like like more than once every five years. You know. Yeah, I'm. I'm guilty of that too. We just don't. Take As we get older, it. right? It's suddenly it's just kind of like you know we kind of need to take care of ourselves a little bit. So. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Good show today. Mm. Um what do we got going on in the chat room? All links are up. Um it's been semi quiet in the chat room. I see mom. Quiet. Hi mom. Mom's there. Um Sherry says thanks to Paul for doing this. I don't understand why everyone isn't talking about this problem. Sherry Neal, our friend Sherry. You know, it's oh, it's it's yeah. uh, there are people that are talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I but think it, it's, it's it doesn't get the kind though. of mainstream coverage sure. that it should. But that's why I brought up the the high level of politics. But I say media yeah. as well. How many people are compromised by these things to do the horrible bidding and evil that we would say? How does how does a Paul Offit become a Paul Offit? Right? No. There's just a weirdness about it. It's like well, it's it, so obvious. It's like this is great harm you're delivering to children. And, and like, you got to say, how do they not see this? And is it just about money or is there an aspect of compromise because they were abused as children, not to excuse it, but as I said, they come up and they become the abuser or they're compromised because of the desires they have due to the aberrant, you know, experiences they had as children, that it creates this scenario where these people are completely blinded that they have like the sociopath, they have no compassion for the 
impact of their, you know, actions. Right. You know, and the other the other thing I think of mm-hmm. is how, you know, this is such a you know you get somebody like Paul on, and every once in a while you'll you'll run into an interview or you'll see a video online mm-hmm. about this topic, um, and I've I've seen it happen, you know, uh, off and on over the years. And when you pay, you really, you kind of pay attention to it. You're just blown away at how big this problem is. And, and Paul, you know, you described that. And so you look at the size of this problem and then you look at the stuff that the politicians are bitching about. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're, t- they're acting are like, you know, the big important issues that we need to take care of and address of our time and, you know, the infrastructure and the border and the stuff. Not that those aren't important things. But there's this gigantic, huge thing that's staring at people in the face, and they just like they they just act like it's nothing. When was the last time you heard a politician mm-hmm. uh, on the floor of the House or the Senate or at a press conference talking about how they're going to address this and take this down because of the the, the scope of the of the, you know the horrendousness of this problem. You, you don't hear him. When was the last time Biden gave a, a, a speech or, or even Trump for that matter, yeah. uh, you know, who get, get and championed something like this. We're going to take this down. We're going to take this on. We're going to do something yeah. about this. Trump Huge had problem. some reference points to this trafficking stuff. I, oh, I know, but it was, point. it was drowned out. Sure. Um, so it's, it's interesting, right? It's interesting. You've got how a many so big. are arrayed against, anybody actually tackling it directly like we talked about yeah yeah exactly yeah. you know this is something that that should be addressed um directly like you're talking about but they don't touch it and so then you have to go why aren't they touching it right yeah is 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 the epidemic of child trafficking and human trafficking bigger than the opioid epidemic mm-hmm. is it bigger than the uh coronavirus epidemic pandemic well, I think it's more, uh, uh, let's say, sustained in terms of a one-off or an outcome in three years and over, right, with coronavirus. Um, this is an ongoing thing that impacts. As but I you know what I'm saying? Out. Look at what everybody's talking about now. If I went over to Drudge Report right now yeah, or, or Fox News or CNN or something like that, and I scroll yeah. down, you know, is anybody talking about child trafficking? Anybody talking about human trafficking? It pops up every once, once in a great while. But what is it everybody's talking about right now? Yeah. It's not that. Meanwhile, you know, these children, millions and millions of children, you know, and he did go, for, he was talking from an international standpoint, you know, but the 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 problem is he, right here in our backyard as well. Mm-hmm. I've talked with some people over the years. Um, I know our, our friend, uh, uh, Kurt. Why can I never remember Kurt's last name? You know Rick what I'm talking Kurt. about? Uh, our Liberty friend, Kurt. Oh, uh, okay. Back now, in the day. now you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know, Kurt. Yeah. <laughs> I can never remember his last name. I don't know why. But that was something that he championed. He, I mean, he was really into and talking about Kurt Wallace. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and, 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 you know, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like you, you're intrigued by it and you want to go, wow, this is crazy. But at the same time, there's like a level of, mm-hmm. of defense that you're, you automatically go into where you just like, this is, it's such a terrible thing. That you just like, man, I don't know if I can handle even like thinking about that right, right. now. Exactly. So I appreciate what Paul's doing. I, I, you know, you're compelled, especially as being a parent or a grandparent, you know, when you, 
you know, you see stuff like this and hear stories like this. It's the same thing like with the medical kidnapping that we covered before. When you hear these stories, mm-hmm. you can't help but put yourself in their in their 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 shoes because yeah. you you have you know you have children yeah. or you've had children. Yeah. Um, and to imagine something going through something like that, uh, it's just almost too much to bear. Wow, man, I just think about the amount of abuse yep. that has generationally been heaped on children and it's part of it you know what is the the source of the cycle it's just like a never-ending cycle because the abuser the abused become the abuser and not all of them but enough to keep it going and you know what we talked about with paul is how to break that cycle to reach those before they start engaging in that to to bring whatever possible healing and there is healing because we've had think of uh laban and anna anna ditchburn you know the abuse that she went on through she shared that on her show and as well as ours here and you know she was able to i'm sure there's still things to deal with but but basically take that horrible those horrible experiences and convert them into powerful uplifting you know assistance for herself and others and you know many who have been abused do end up doing that but not all and that's the part of it how do we reach them i think that's kind of where paul was going it's a big it's a big project yeah it uh everybody there's there's a lot to do yeah i don't know i don't even know where to go with that it's just it's still it's hard to wrap your head around but yeah uh yeah go see the movie i i can't wait for that movie to come out it looks great yeah uh, and, and hopefully seeing the movie will inspire a lot of people to try and you know do whatever it is that they can to help out with the problem hmm. so on that note uh, um Hey, is there any update on the Joe Rogan, Bobby Kennedy challenge to not really, it's kind of fizzled out. Well, okay. It was yeah. quite a, quite a, quite a scene for a couple of days. Anyway, a lot of people have, you know, they've chimed in, um, on their opinions on the thing, but it, you know, it, uh, what's his face? Um, um, Hotez is just kind of just said no, and it's it's just kind of that's where it's at. So now now it's like the old uh, prominent uh, vaccine scientist was harassed and stalked at his house. That's like the mm-hmm. thing everybody's talking about now. It's yeah, like whatever. Um, there was a what's the other thing I saw? People were trying to enlist John Stewart to engage in the debate with Bobby <laughs> Kennedy. And I think if I'm not mistaken, I saw some clips. Bobby Kennedy was on John Stewart's show in 2005 being interviewed by John about, you know, some of the various controversial topics, including mercury and in, in vaccines, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, John Stewart's an intelligent guy. No one would doubt he's, he's smart that I am aware of anyway. Um, we used to talk about John Stewart with Liam Sheff. I love John really? Stewart. Yeah. yeah, but Liam was a bit ticked off with John because there were certain areas where he had a, a very big partition and blind spot, mm. for instance, on the nine 11 issue. Now, many would argue he's done great things for the people that suffered under, you know, that survived and suffered because of the toxic exposure. Correct. And I don't want to diminish those good works at the same yeah. time. There was such a blind spot to acknowledge that there are forces within our own government that participated in this for a specific purpose. Like we've talked about PNAC project for new American century and Bobby Kennedy knows about that. He's brought that up as well. And coming from the lineage of his father following Eisenhower and his speech about the military industrial complex and others. But there seems to be at that point, you got a question based on what we've just discussed. I don't know. I don't know John Stewart personally. Remember um, I was accused of calling him a Nazi 
and we made international press, Jewish press at that point. Um, but I never called him a Nazi. I said he was engaged in Nazi-like tactics in terms right. of addressing, you know, many of the rich housewives of Marin County who weren't getting their kids vaccinated. And he claimed that they were somehow in, you know, anyway, horrible people, whatever it was. And, and, and so there's a blind spot there and has been. Now, I don't know if he's now addressed, if he's even read Bobby Kennedy's book about Fauci, much less, you know, all the folks that helped facilitate that, that book, including Celia Farber and Liam Sheff both friends. Liam no longer with us. Celia is still here. I would love to get Celia back on the show. If you, if you're listening, Celia would love to get you back on the show soon and chat. Uh, but the, um, the blind spots, you know, in medicine, in, in science, these are the things I've been covering before I had, had a show in 1999 and back in the nineties, I was reading about these things. I was engaged. Ah, man, I was so immersed in reading you know, I can't imagine, I can't remember all the books I read, you know, I've got libraries of books now and it's like, I really have to be compelled to read because I read so much. Not that I'm saying it's bad to read so much, but I was so engaged in learning about the world from different viewpoints that to say I was a bookworm is probably an understatement kind of stuff I underwent, but I saw the deep, dark underbelly. Now, I didn't know all the depths of the reasons for it, like we talked about people being compromised by the things we've discussed today. But there's a great evil within medicine and science that supplants what we would call traditional religion. And I'm not here to say that traditional religion is without you know, problems as well. We've seen abuses in many religious uh, orders uh, of children and other things. <clears throat> but the focus on, on God as opposed to government or some other external force or source that could be greatly deceptive, uh, playing itself out. And, and I, I don't know what it is about doctors and scientists that are vulnerable. Maybe they're more atheistic in their tendencies. I, I can't generalize because I know there are people that are scientists and doctors that have, you know, people of faith too. But in many ways, they, they have abandoned some of that and tried to utilize the, the largesse of their mind, the mental capacity, right? And they begin to worship that like, you know, the vanity concept. They start to believe themselves as God, and then they do great harm, especially when they're removed from liability for their actions, you know, cause and effect. And the effect is as brutal as we know in the, the vaccine industrial complex. And yet these people are shielded from even the people that inject are shielded from being sued should there be an injury or death under the, you know, the absolvement National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program. Again, that also begets great evil because if you have the perception that you can get away with it, that's when humans that were formerly good humans can become very bad humans. <laughs> Every Everybody has that, that capability, mm -hmm. um, I believe. Well, yeah, very few will rise beyond that. And, and <laughs> And I'd like to think that all of y'all in this audience are the, of those people are more inclined to be that way. That's why you're drawn into this show. But it's a choice. Yeah, <clears throat> it is a choice. It's mm -hmm. funny. I'm 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 parroting what I heard earlier today. I was working with Scott uh, Shara, mm -hmm. and he did an interview with G. Edward Griffin, and uh, uh, that was something that he was he was saying. So it was fresh in my brain. Mm -hmm. You know that that you know everybody has the ability to do that, but it is a choice. If people do yeah. make that choice you know, to do good and evil, that every, everything in the world has an opposite force Yeah, that, that is pushing against it to keep it, make it exist. Right. Mm -hmm. And good and evil are, are worlds of duality. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Susie B. Welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show. She just commented a little bit ago. Sorry, I just found you. Well, no apologies. Sorry. You found us. We're happy you found us. Don't apologize. That's right. I can joke about it. It's like, well, where have you been, Susie? How come you didn't? <laughs> <laughs> and, and no, when you find the, the Robert Scott Bell Show, I hope your life is, is enhanced. Right? She says, my grandson and daughter have been fighting CPS and still are. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's so much corruption in there. I'm not saying that nobody goes into that to try and help. That's not what I'm saying. I know, Super Don, you're not saying that either. But unfortunately, as it is with a lot of government, a lot of compromised folks are in there that are part of the abuse, if you will, that we've discussed. And so uh, it's not the the saving grace that you'd like to think it is. There's a lot there. So. Say, yeah, she says I've watched you before. Oh, I recognize okay. the name. I've seen the name before. Okay. Well, I, it's funny this way you, she came in. Sorry, I just found you. <laughs> it was like, okay. But no, welcome back then, Susie. Thank you for being here. And thank you for sharing the show. That's all we ask. And if you'd like to be part of our patron support crowd, as little as five bucks a month, uh, we are greatly appreciative of any little bit that helps us to do what we do and do it better. Uh, we are doing our monthly AMA, Ask Me Anything, on July 1st. That'll count as our June one because we, uh, we wanted to do it on a Saturday because we've done two weekdays in a row. And we'll do another one later in July. We haven't figured that out. But every month, that's what we get to do. It's so much fun. And I get to give away all kinds of cool stuff from sponsors. And so you end up probably getting more <laughs> than you give us. But I'm not complaining. I'm grateful for the opportunity to give back and say thank you. Uh, let's see. Um, what else do we have announcements-wise coming up? We did the upcoming events. Oh, I want to shout. You mentioned G. Edward Griffin. I want to thank Bobri Orin, our friend Bobri. We'll, we have to get him on soon again. And I want to thank him for his Folium products, foliumpx.com, 10% off of the RSB10 code. And it's helping G. Edward Griffin to still be here, considering the challenges he went through you know, at one point during COVID in the hospitals and stuff. And it's a miracle he's still here. And G. Edward Griffin was acknowledged, acknowledged that. And we did a show recently with him and Bobri and uh, another doctor about the benefits of the Folium products, Folium PX, Folium Immuno, and Folium Relax, and uh, just extraordinary formula. If you have hit a wall, if you have hit a ceiling in your recovery, and I'm not saying wait for that, but if you, many people have been at this for a long time, and you're like, I hadn't tried that. Yeah, get on the Folium and see what it can do as far as the next level breakthrough for you, because it's, it's helped my mom tremendously, as well as others. So, I just wanted to say thank you to Bobbery, foliumpx.com, RSB10. And we have those. <laughs> Susie B, continuing the conversation here, made me laugh. She's, I like this because she says, <clears throat> I have watched you before. Mm -hmm. And then her next comment is, it's a horror show. What is she talking about, our show? Oh, wait, no, no, CPS, I mean. <laughs> oh, okay, all right, CPS, I mean, uh, yeah. Oh, thank, thank, thank you for the clarification. Yeah. yeah, I know, we're like, oh my gosh, what have we done? Jeez. Oh, <sighs> well, I know we're not like the best looking guys around, but good Lord, horror show, really? Oh, horror show. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Susie, thank you for that little laughter. Appreciate that. We could use anyway, it. Anyway, so I have got uh, a birthday party to go to. Whose birthday is it now? My grandson, Xander. I've talked about him on the show before. He just yeah. turned nine today. Nine years old. Mm -hmm. Dude. Nine. How'd that happen? My daughter's about to be 18 on the Independence Day. Yeah. Double that. That's crazy. What's going on, man? Mm. 
this time I'm thing on. just keeps on keeps on. Hey, am going. I getting bigger? I think I am. You Look feeling bigger? Well, yeah, I just started the super creatine. You got the creatine. So are you yeah. are you are you experiencing just a, a serious uh hardness in your in your muscles when you work out that you weren't experiencing before? I'm talking I'm, I'm talking about like like swollen. Eh, like after you what well, course you aren't working out with weights though, are you? Well, a little bit. I mean, the nine round. Yeah, but not really. It's you not really yeah. want to experience the creatine because I, you know, you've talked about you want to put on. Yeah, you know, well, you want to put is, on weight. I have put on. Uh, honestly, my like I got up to one forty eight the other day. Oh my goodness! That was, Dude, that was my weight in high school. I don't want to hear it. Come on. All right, look, we're all different body types and sizes, <laughs> but, but seriously, I mean. <clears throat> When I started my journey back into fitness, you know, after breaking my hand, you know, uh, a few years back and I could, I was going to start, you know, the fitness thing low, you know, in a new uh, area and it curtailed me for a year. My weight went down, I think at the lowest, like 137. Okay. So I, just, I want you to think about that. Now I slowly built up in, in a, you know, I eventually integrated the cardio miracle, all the other things. And of course my fitness level is incredibly high compared to where it was, but you know, I'm like, okay, now can I get a little bit more musculature at my my memory of my weightiest, in other words, when I had the most gravitational force on me, uh, was college. Uh, and I was an athlete, despite my illnesses, you know, I was chronically ill, but I fought through it, human will and everything in the pool as an athlete in the pool. And, uh, um, it was a low impact. So my joints that I had, you know, inflammation of the joints and other things, I was able to overcome a lot. And I think, think if I remember correctly, I was 154. And I still have a picture from college, like the college newspaper, where it was like, I'm looking like, if I could find it, I'll show you. But I was like, dude, but I'm like to get to up to 148 is a big thing for me since then. So yeah. I think that this uh, super creatine, and it makes sense because we know what it does, advanced anabolic activator. And again, we talk, go, if you want to listen to that show with Jamie Dorley last week, I would never take creatine before this formula he came up with. It answers all of my concerns about creatine. So uh, now I'm trying it and I'm seemingly getting some results pretty quickly, but I'll keep monitoring it and let you know. Use the code RSB15. I've got to place another order for some stuff, including some more of the NRDMG lozenges. We have done that as a strategy against inadvertent exposure to glyphosate, which is everywhere. Uh, in the diet and that's an easy way traveling lozenges are great so that's another thing we use from them but uh, you guys check it out rsb 15 even discounted uh, items are 15 percent off so you can double dip all right what else any other comments questions anything else going on the calendar look at i'm gonna hurt back from bolden to see if he can come on a little early on friday so i can get out of here for the flight to denver after the show Just shoot him an email I'm looking at um, July, and you know the RSB Family Union is like the 14th through the 16th, right? Friday, Saturday, Sunday at Leslie's place. Mm -hmm. And I see you're overlapping that out of town. I am, and actually, I got to talk to you about this because What's I may need on? to. I may need to do the 18th and 19th of that week as well. What is going on? Well, okay, hold on a second. <laughs> okay. Hey, kiddo, can I call you right back? I'm just in the bonus round. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Yep. I got a Father's Day gift. Yes, tell me about for it. For my wife. Uh-huh. Uh, I've talked about this this band, this rock band that I 
really, really, really was into. And you, I talked about them a lot back in the day. They're, they're called Disturbed. Yeah, the Barry Manilow cover band. Yeah, haha. <laughs> anyway, they're they're not going to be around for a whole lot longer because David Draymond, who's the uh, lead singer, has really done a number on his voice. So they have the best best version of Sound of Silence. It's ever. insane. It makes the hair on the on the back yeah. of your neck stand up. Well, anyway, she got me tickets. Yeah, to go see them. Where are they? Where are they playing? Wheatland, California. It's it's by Sacramento. And the, the tickets she got are like on the in the very front nine nine rows back. Dude, you got a nice, lovely wife. Yeah, yeah. That, so that is that's gonna be like the eighteenth, I think. The eighteenth. That doesn't correspond with what you got in the calendar. Well, <clears throat> it's gonna be right after I'm gonna be out of town. Is what I'm saying. But well, where's the out of town trip? Is that the Idaho trip again? Yeah, yeah. To okay. yeah, Eastern okay. Oregon. Okay, we've done that before. I I just didn't. I thought it was the same thing. There's something else going on there, but well, there. Okay, so thirteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth, sixteenth. That's going to be going to Eastern Oregon to see my son. Right, right. Then I'll be back on Monday the seventeenth, and I'm going to need to be gone eighteenth and nineteenth. Oh, good lord! July is going to be a crazy month. It is in between trips and things. All right, we'll talk about that. This is like bonus round. Anything goes. We'll figure it out. We'll yeah. talk about but this. anyway, I get to go see like my, Dude, my bucket awesome. list. Disturbed. Uh, is your wife going to go with you? Oh, of course. Does she like him too? She does. Nice. Yep. That's a bucket list thing for me. So, Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. So um, anyway, any Disturbed good. fans out there? Hmm. Man, it's quiet. All of a sudden, everything's just like crickets. It's just you and me talking. I guess we're just talking to each other. Yeah. Anyway, I'm glad that the show went well because, as you said, uh, and I said, I'm like, dude, I spent so much time outside. My shirt was off, and this, it was sort of a. Uh, there was some sun. I mean, here we are, uh, almost to the summer solstice, and uh, I don't, I don't get burned anymore. But I've got some color. I could use more, but uh, it's just getting out there in the in the yard is nice, and with the garden and doing things. And I was carried away today, so I barely made it in time for the show. But you made it. That's what matters. Mm -hmm. Susie B is still laughing. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I like that you laugh. We love to make you laugh. I don't think I, I do enough funny sometimes. I forget because it's serious too. But I like to be silly as well. So with that, uh, I, I think that's all I got for today. Yeah, me too. So okay. tomorrow, um, we have... Get back up into June here. Jaco Buyans. Okay. Uh org. We talked about him yesterday. Okay. Uh, and I haven't heard back from Ty Bolger, so I'll let you know about that. So we'll see what's up for tomorrow. Yep. All right, y'all. Well, that's thank you plan. for being here. Maybe we should get um Leslie on for a little bit just to talk about the family union. We should we'll update. Yep. So Let's get, let's, let's work on that. All right, y'all. Well, thank you for being here. Uh, I want to thank you, uh, for connecting. It must've been Kevin that connected us with Paul Hutchinson. I'm just imagining. Right. As well. Uh, and thanks as well to Philip Meese, uh, with the carnivore bar. Y'all take advantage of that. And I think it was a great discussion. If you missed it, go back and listen and support a good family business doing, doing really good things. And, uh, God willing, we'll be back less than 22 hours from now. Have a good day.